Howard from the Perdomo Cigar Studios on the Black Stage in Indian Trail, North Carolina, and broadcasting from the Drew State Studios in California. It's episode 270 of the Primetime Show. Tonight, we welcome Juan Lugo and Garrett Robinson of Don Doroteo Cigars. And as always, the Primetime Show is sponsored by Saga Cigars. Delos Race introduced another chapter of the saga, the Saga Celez. So it's a Spanish word that means leisure after work in the spirit of the standing ideal of owning your own journey and making your own saga. Saga Celez is the perfect companion to enrich those moments of choice, making them truly yours. Saga Celez carries a bundle of Criollo Olor and Proto Cubano wrapped in a selected Ecuador Shade Claro wrapper that generously delivers with elegance a surprisingly rich and balanced smoke. It's available in three sizes at an affordable price. Be sure to ask your retail for Saga Celez. By Perdomo Cigars. Awarded Nicaraguan Cigar Dia in 2014 by Cigar Journal, the Perdomo 20th anniversary brand has consistently earned the highest scores in the industry and is a top seller in humidors around the world. The Perdomo 20th anniversary blend requires tobacco, has been carefully hand selected, and a well aged for a minimum of eight years. Perdomo 20th anniversary is offered in three distinct wrappers a smooth, creamy Ecuadorian Connecticut, a rich, earthy Cuban seed Nicaraguan sun grown, and a dark, oily Cuban seed Nicaraguan Maduro. Combining these beautifully bourbon barrel wrappers with thick, high-priming binder of filler tobaccos gives each blend a balanced complexity with layers of rich flavors and smooth, elegant aromas. Perdomo Cigars is a family-owned and operated company headquartered in Miami, Florida, with manufacturing and agriculture facilities in S3, Nicaragua. Perdomo's highly acclaimed cigar brands include the Perdomo Double Aids 12-Year Vintage, Perdomo 20th Anniversary, Perdomo Reserve 10th Anniversary Line, Perdomo Bono Bourbon Barrel Aged, Perdomo Lot 23, Perdomo Immenso 70, and many more. For great tasting notes and pairing information, check out the Perdomo website at www.perdomocigars.com. And our friends at Cavalier Geneve, Cavalier Cigars, Smoke Gold and Stay Gold. Join the inner circle and follow Cavalier Cigars on Instagram at Cavalier underscore cigars and on Facebook at Cavalier Geneve Cigars. That's Geneve, G-E-N-E-V-E. Visit your local tobacconist and join the movement that is Cavalier Cigars. They're consistently regarded highly by cigar lovers everywhere, as well as high ratings by the cigar industry press. You also want to follow them on that Instagram page, again, at Cavalier underscore cigars, because they do some very unique giveaways throughout the whole year. Cavalier Cigars, smoke gold, stay gold. And finally, by Drew Estate. Dark, bold, and unapologetic Black and Cigars M81 by Drew Estate is an intense journey into the uncharted, deepest, and darkest, and heaviest depths of Maduro tobacco. It's a masterpiece collaboration between Metallica's James Hetfield, Sweet Amber Distilling's Rob Dietrich, and Drew Estate's Jonathan Drew. The all-Maduro Black and Cigars M81 by Drew Estate is rich and powerful, but beautifully balanced, offering tantalizing notes of leather, chocolate, and espresso that's perfect for life celebrations and times of reflection. You can find them at your Drew Diplomat retailer, and remember, all the live streaming for the Primetime Network of Shows, as well as for the California Studios on Thursday nights, sponsored exclusively by Drew Estate. Well, welcome, everybody. We are at Primetime Episode 270. Today is June 1st, 2023. This is Will Cooper. I am in the Perdomo Scott Studios on the Black Stage, joined cross-country by my good friend, colleague, and co-host, Mr. Aaron Loomis. How you doing tonight, Will? Um, you know, all things considered, uh, I'm okay. I think you know I've kind of been off the rails the past couple of days, but uh, <laughs> yes. but yes, I'm okay. I'm okay with that. So uh, yeah, you, you need to calm down. It's just first day of June, still have at least three and a half months of the se- you know regular season left. The Phillies can come back. Don't don't panic yet. When we get if we get to Vegas, and they're out of it by ten games, then then we'll con- try to console you. But it's it's too early to panic. 
okay, but this is what I'm facing. I, I agree. I, I'm trying to hear the rational. The other thing is we could be behind the Washington Nationals coming out of this weekend is what's scaring me right now. Like I told you, in 10 days, you could be second place in the division as well. It can yeah, swing yeah. either way. So I, it's it's too early to panic, man. You know, when you get past Memorial Day, is that that's when that alarm goes off for me. So we got past, you know, we, we, we lose that game like the day before the weekend closes. And I, yeah, it just goes down here, and then we get swept by the, by the freaking Mets. I mean, uh, but now uh, it's summer starts. Yeah, weather warms up, players get hot, and then it changes. So it's just I hope, it's I, it hope I hope yeah. you're right. I I really hope you're right on this one. I want to be I want to be wrong, but boy, uh, it is um, it is going to be interesting. But you know, we are one month and five days away from PCA, Aaron. So we're all going to be convening in Vegas in in a um little over a month right now. Yep. So actually this is the, what I say, the last regular show we're doing before PCA. PCA the next four show, yeah. yeah. The next four shows are all PCA specific ones. So, yep. um, and that will take us right into the trade show. So it's, it is going fast. It's hard to believe that we are in, I couldn't believe we we're June 1st already. It just seemed like it went way fast this year from Christmas. Yeah. And it's going to be our last uh, summer trade show for, a little bit, at least, until yeah. they change the dates back. So we'll see how this, you know, yeah, our, I mean, our it, last taste of 120 degree less, cigar weather. Maybe the last need we have for a pool at a compound, right? <laughs> That's because, right. You know, mm. I don't know because it's going to be 47 degree nights next year in in Vegas. So, um, but we'll Let's see. Just make sure it, the place has a hot tub. I think I'll see you. Actually, I think that's a good idea. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, so, um, but yeah, we'll definitely uh, look forward to that. I, I get into Vegas 4th of July. Nice. So I will be out there two days early. Um, so um, we'll, but I'll be flying. I, I, I'm going to be flying before the fireworks go off. My flight yeah. leaves like at three in the afternoon. So I don't uh, okay. see fireworks going out there. That's a bummer. Should have timed it better. Um, it was, it was the, the only reason why I'm flying the fourth was the price was ridiculously low yeah. to fly. Like, sure. like I'm the amount of money I'm saving is like, probably I'm still coming ahead even with the hotel at this point. So okay. that, that's how much of a difference it was. Yeah. Nice. So yeah, I'm just going to do it that way. But we have a, like I said, we have a great show. We have a new guest and old friend back tonight. Uh, and we're going to be talking about, um, this brand of cigars. I know Aaron, you met. You met this gentleman at TPE this year. Yes, correct. So you had a chance. I, this is the first time I'm meeting him, but I also uh, know the gentleman who works for him. So uh, we want to welcome to the show, welcome uh, Juan Lugo of Don Dorotea Cigars. And, thanks, thanks. Yep, and Garrett Robinson uh, of uh, Don Dorotea Cigars. Gentlemen, welcome to Primetime, guys. Deserved. Thank you for having us. Oh, thanks for being on. It's a pleasure to meet you. Um, I, everyone spoke so highly of you. I know... I've been talking to Garrett for a while, uh, particularly on your brand. Um, and I know he's been very excited about this brand well before he was working with your brand. So yeah, uh, yeah. Garrett Garrett from day one has been just really talking this brand. And uh, I'm, I'm honored that you did the show tonight and uh, look forward to meeting you in person next month as well. Yeah, man, that's going to be exciting. Yep. You were talking there for a bit about how fast time has gone, man. It's been insane. Wrapping up to PCA, we've just been on, on the back end as a manufacturer, just trying to get, you know, all the things in order. And Garrett, Garrett now knows <laughs> all the things that, you know, go on on the back end, the good, the bad, and the ugly. So we're definitely excited for PCA. Very excited. 
Yep. So Garrett, you know, um, you've been, um, so now you're getting a taste of the other side right now. It is, uh, have you guys seen UHF? Al, 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 Al Yankovic, yeah. Yeah. Uh, drinking from the fire hose. Remember, remember that situation? <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. that's the situation. Um, but I just want to the the thing that I love so much about this industry is, you know, people like um, uh, Jack Taranio, Skip Martin, um, Mickey Pegg, um, so many more that I could. Uh, mentioned that reached out to me and said, you know, not only congratulations when it happened, but also said, if there's anything you need, if there's any help, you you know, um, which is awesome. And I know both Matt and I experienced that when we started How About That Cigar in a similar fashion with you, Coop, and uh, Aaron obviously was on that and, and others that uh, were a big help. And that has just kind of been the reoccurring theme in this industry of, you know, uh, rising tide lifts all ships. And um, so while it is learning by fire, certainly um, the amount of support has been overwhelming and very humbling. It's awesome. No, no. And uh, we, we totally understand that. Um, and, and look, you know, uh, by the way, I want to mention you are at the, how about that cigar studios tonight? So uh, Matt, we saw Matt's fingers a little earlier uh, <laughs> off camera, but um, you know, look, there's times I've called you guys and said, Hey, you know, can you come on? Like we were like one. We were in a TP, um, and I said, "Hey, can someone come up? Can you?" Guys, and I know Aaron came up in TP that weekend, and you came on with Matt. I mean, you guys did it from the the Casbar in uh, the Sahara, right? I mean, you guys just stopped what you were doing. Uh, you probably last thing you wanted to do was talk to me. You guys did that, and oh. uh, it was very much appreciated. Well, it's a pleasure. Uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, I needed a studio to do KMA Talk Radio. Um. When I was up there in December, Matt's like, come out to the house. I mean, that, that's that's so I think it's uh, it's been a great friendship. And we're really uh, we're really glad that, you you know, you've gotten an opportunity here with Juan here. So I think this is tremendous for everybody. Yep, absolutely. Yep. Um, so what we like to do, uh, Juan, is we usually like to do an icebreaker question. And we always like to and, and we always like to talk about what you remember. And we know you come from a tobacco family. But what you remember about your first cigar experience? And Garrett, I want you to also answer that question as well. You know, when you first lit up a cigar, were you a kid or something like that? What do you remember about that? Yeah, I have a, I mean, funny, funny story, but uh, I, uh, and I've, I've told it before in other podcasts. So apologies to anyone who's heard it before. And I apologize for asking it as well. It's just a tradition yeah, yeah. we do. Oh, it's, 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 all right. it's fine. Yeah, it's fine. Okay. It's it's a fun fun little yep. bit there. Okay. Um. So my grandfather Doroteo, who we named the company after, he uh, I grew up in New York City, and he would come and visit once a year or so um, after harvest, and he would always come and stay in our house. And if you know anything about New York, the cramped little apartments. I grew up in New York and, too. I grew up. Okay. In New York okay. Too. So I grew up in uh, Washington Heights. Okay. And and uh, we had a small two bedroom apartment. And uh, anytime Doroteo was in town, my grandfather, my mom would tell me like the day of like, hey, uh, your grandfather's coming to town. Uh, you got to give up your room. <laughs> and I would always be like, just, you know, little kid just pissed off. Like, damn. Yeah. Um, so one year he always brought cigars with him. So he would he would roll his own cigars. He would do like box presses. And uh, I must have been like around nine, 10 years old or so. Um, and he one year he forgot his cigars in my closet. So he forgot his <laughs> nicely bold. I remember it had like a gold ribbon 
box presses, madudos. And uh, he left them there and he forgot them. And, uh, you know, I quickly grabbed them and hid them and then I told my mom and uh, started messing around with them, you know, pull up the window and I'm thinking like, oh, no one's going to notice. So I start like chewing on it, doing all kinds of weird stuff and eventually got it lit. It was a horrible experience smoking <laughs> it because mine was like nine years old. didn't know what right. I was doing. And then uh, my mother comes in and she's like asking me like, hey, uh, my father said that uh, he forgot his cigars. Have you seen him? <laughs> like, no. <laughs> what makes you think that? <laughs> Meanwhile, the room is like a chimney. Smells like complete yeah. shit. <laughs> <laughs> so that was my first like exposure to it, I would say. But the first time I, I thoroughly enjoyed a cigar and like seeked it, it was many, many years later. I was um, in the Air Force and I was serving my first tour in Iraq. And a couple of buddies and I, we would, you know, obviously when you're out there, you're trying to like, you know, uh, on your time off, you try to relax and just take your mind off of work, uh, especially that kind of work, right? So we always would play like Domino's Bones. Um, and then we, you know, we would love to drink, but it was a dry base. They weren't allowed mm -hmm. to drink. So the only thing we were, we had access to was cigars. So we actually had access to Cuban cigars uh, because I guess the embargo didn't mean anything at war. So, uh, and we have pictures where we're actually like, smoking Cuban cigars and we're playing bones and we did that about once a week. Uh, but as far as I can remember, that's like the first time where I would like look forward to those days where we could kind of like just kick back and have that moment, you know? Nice. Very nice. That's very nice. Um, and, and, you know, you mentioned Washington Heights and these apartments. Uh, I grew up in Bay Ridge in Staten Island. And I'm okay. just telling you, like when I lived in Bay Ridge, very, very high density populated area. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I didn't have my own bedroom and things like that. We lived in, it was just tight quarters. I remember, you know, too. Yeah. So my kids are very spoiled. I tell them, they don't <laughs> realize how tight quarters I had. Um, uh, you know, we had this, no, no such thing as privacy or anything like that. Till we moved to Staten Island, got a little better, but it was a little yeah. more space there, but yeah. So uh, I love Washington Heights, by the way, that's the area, but folks that don't know about the George Washington bridge. Yeah. Yeah. Area. yeah. Are you a still in New DR. York now or are you, you're obviously not. No, right? I'm actually, I'm actually in NorCal. I'm in Northern California right now. Oh, we're at oh, Sacramento. Oh, wow. Sacramento. Okay. Right near there, yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm in Martinez. Okay. So, yeah, yeah. yeah, I was we're actually not uh, I was stationed an hour north from here, uh Beale Air Force Base, yep. and I actually met my wife here. I was on my time off, I would come down to Sacramento and go salsa dancing with my buddies, you know, go check out the girls and stuff. <laughs> met my wife there, you know, long story short, stayed and here we are. So Nice. Well, great. That's great. That's a great, uh, awesome um, to hear. Now, Garrett, I, I don't think we've ever asked you this question before, so uh, you're going to get it too. How, how, what was your first uh, introduction to a cigar? So uh, for those who don't know, um, I'm from the Twin Cities area, Minnesota, and Jimmy John's uh, came out of Ames, Iowa. Okay. So um, in 1997, Jimmy John's decided to franchise their first store. And that opened in St. Paul, Minnesota. I was the first manager of the first franchise Jimmy John store. So about six months after we opened, a cigar shop opened up right um, just a couple doors down. The manager of that shop came over and he said, hey, have you ever had a, a premium cigar? I said, oh, yeah, I smoke Grenadiers with my dad hunting and fishing all the time. <laughs> He's like, no, that's <laughs> that's not what we're talking about. And, um, you know, I'm 19. I, I didn't know anything. And uh, he said, so would you 
be willing to trade a sub for a cigar? It's like, sure, I'll do that. And he handed me uh, Fuente Hemingway um, classic and um, super excited. I went home that night. I cut the end with a chef's knife and um, and a Bic lighter, uh, which isn't a big deal with a, you know, yeah. with the perfecto end anyway. But um, and I absolutely loved it. Now, I was a cigarette smoker at the time. Mm. So, I w- you know, nicotine wasn't um, a big factor for me. But I absolutely fell in love with that cigar right away. Uh, a follow-up story, uh, the very next day I go into the shop and I start talking to the owner and I'm like, okay, what do I need? And they set me up with a humidor jar um, and, uh, you know, a selection of cigars to try. And I was like, you know, how do I get, you know, into the flavors and understanding and, you know, what I like? And he was like, you should actually talk to this gentleman here. And that gentleman was Rocky Patel, who in 1997 wasn't even Rocky Patel yet. You know, it was still Indian tobacco, but he was setting up his first um, Rocky Patel lounge, which is at Stogie's on Grand in in St. Paul. Um, And uh, so Rocky said um, for me to get a notebook and just start writing things down. Uh, whatever comes to mind, as crazy as it sounds, he said, one of my favorite notes that I like to write down is um, the smell of my mother's basement. He said, there's a certain tobacco that reminds me of my grandmother's basement. And um, so that's always stuck with me. Very nice. I, you know, I, rem- you, I remember, I think I did hear this story when we were, we were up in Minnesota, but because the Jimmy John's, so he said, yep, that's right. Because mm-hmm. uh, I remember saying, I didn't think Jimmy John's was around that that long ago. That was what was amazing to me with that. But you're also much younger than I thought you were, too. So, so, uh, 45. Yeah. Yep. 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 Um, so, you know, you're saying, you're saying you look old. I but said you look, you're not as old as you. Uh, yeah. That was in it. That was, I thought, <laughs> that's what it's I mature, heard. A sign of maturity. <laughs> sign of maturity. Sign of maturity. Um, you know, so, so, uh, Juan, going back to you, um, Garrett kind of, I remember I was talking to Garrett and, Garrett knows, like, you know, in the media, we try to be neutral with brands, but I've always had a big affinity with La Aurora. Uh, and he's like, you got to check this brand out because obviously there's some connections with La Aurora that, that aren't just now, that go way back. So your, your, your story of your brand goes back to your grandfather, and there's a strong relationship there. For folks who aren't maybe familiar with that story, maybe you can give us the, the, uh, a version of that, condensed version of that to talk about. You can talk about as much as you want about it, actually. Yeah, yeah. Um... So uh, my grandfather started working with La Aurora in 1936. So long story short, he was the old eldest of six siblings. Um, father passed away. Father's you know, craft was exactly what my grandfather did, which was uh, grow tobacco, um, sell it to the highest bidder. Uh, that's what they did. That's what my grandfather did as an adolescent with his father. Um, so when, when, his, when his pops passed away at 16, uh, my grandfather at the time, they had no land, nothing uh, in DR, you know, very, you know, humble means. Um, so he actually just approached uh, local farmers that had excess land and, and, and proposed to grow tobacco. That's all he knew how to do. Um, he would harvest and cure it. And then he would sell to the highest bidder, which at the time was La Aurora. Um, and then uh, he would split the profit uh, uh, two third, two, uh, 66, 33, 
with the owner. Um, and then over time, he did that so much that he saved all his money. And, and when he passed, he left, you know, a crazy amount of land to all the family. Um, but uh, the, the key part there with La Aurora is that when they when he started in 1936, mind you, like Aurora had only been around for a little bit prior to that, only right. a few years. So my grandfather later on became mayor of, of the region here where our farm is. And he was actually the one that rallied a lot of the local farmers and created like a union for La Aurora where they can depend on all of these uh, cultivators to uh, essentially provide that excess tobacco that they mm -hmm. needed. All right. So that they could grow their empire, so to speak, right. in the Dominican Republic. Uh, so that's that's pretty much the uh, the connection there to our family. Uh, and my grandfather did that for many, many decades um, uh, and he passed in 2011. So, he, you know, but he, he stopped, uh, growing tobacco and, and working with La Rota, I guess you could say, um, around the late nineties, mm -hmm. he was just getting, getting older. And so he wanted to continue growing tobacco, just didn't want to be, you know, operating that, that big of a, of a machine, so to speak. So he just started, he kept growing tobacco for himself. You know, that's when we got into the box press story earlier. Um, so when, when I approached La Aurora a couple of years ago, essentially, you know, this land here that you see behind me, that's a, that's our farm there. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I had this affinity of going, you know, growing up in New York city, you know, I always had exposure to the, to the culture. I was, you know, I spent every summer in Dominican Republic with my brother and my cousins. And, you know, I remember my grandfather, you know, working in the field and all that good stuff. But as a kid, you take that for granted. Right. So, right. You know, after I went in the military, you know, saw the world, came back, went to college. And then I was like, man, am I just going to like get stuck in this rat race, you know, in the U.S.? Like, where is it going to go? And so I just kind of wanted to, you know, go back to my roots. And um, I was fortunate enough to have be welcomed by La Aurora with open arms when I approached them in 21. Um, they essentially like, were like, who the hell are you? Right. <laughs> and I told like, you know, this is my grandfather, you know, worked with you guys since X, Y, Z. And they vetted the story a, a week later, they got back to me and it's like, all right, what do you want to do? And I told them, I said, I want to, I want to do the same thing. I want to honor my grandfather by doing exactly what he did, which is grow tobacco and work with you guys ex exclusively. So we had our first harvest last year, which is right here pictured behind me. Nice. Uh, and we sold that to La Aurora exclusively. They gave us, you know, all the resources, our agronomists and, uh, access to fuel workers and and where to source greenhouses, you name it. Um, and then the second part to that was we wanted to actually, and this is the, a piece that my grandfather never did himself, which was, you know, um, release a cigar into the market, right? Um, and he would never name it after himself, but <laughs> he can't do nothing about it now. <laughs> Hopefully he's not rolling in his grave with his name yeah. plastered everywhere. Oh, yeah. yeah, so... Wow, that's a that's but you know that's a long run that your grandfather had you. You're going back like sixty years. It's a sixty year run. Yep, yep. So, so yep. um, that's amazing. That's amazing. And but you guys still own the farm. But you was the farm operational in between the time your grandfather re retired and then when you started doing it? No, no, no. This land, in fact, this land was not his. This land was from my my this. So my Doroteo's my maternal grandfather. My paternal grandfather owned this land. So we actually have tobacco roots from both sides. It's just that uh, Doroteo had the, um, I guess, the pedigree because he worked in, in the field right. specifically for so much more longer. And he had the connection to La Aurora. 
my my paternal grandfather worked in tobacco, but he also he, he dabbled in everything, dairy, uh, you know, produce, you name it. So interesting, mm. interesting. Um, so when you kind of came into this, this is only a couple. So you, first of all, you, uh, you came into this in the middle of the pandemic. That must have been very interesting to begin with, or probably the end of the like probably at the end of the lockdown. You kind of came in there. It was perfect, honestly. It was like yeah. It, it was a dream come true. So like during the pandemic, I went into that. I was working in tech. I was doing product marketing in Silicon Valley, you know, in quote unquote, the, the perfect tech job, right? Uh, golden handcuffs, essentially, you know, great salary, blah, 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 perks. But it's like, uh, it was just, you know, soul sucking for me. I, I just, and I was pretty good at it, but it, you know, nonetheless, I was like not in love with it. So I took I took advantage of this opportunity where we got locked down and I, I really like sat down, took plenty of time to myself and you know would be smoking cigars and like thinking like okay what would I do if I could choose the ideal path. And that's kind of like I had the gears turning and it, everything was bringing me back. I'm like holding the cigar in my hand and I'm like that's what I need to be doing. You know, go yeah. back to my roots. And my brother and I would actually sit out on my deck and we would smoke cigars and just make this business plan. And, uh, you know, we fleshed it out over the course of weeks. Um, and then I kind of just put it in the, in, in the drive and just let it sit. Financially, it wasn't the right time. So I said, okay, okay I'm just going to leave it there. If the opportunity rises, I'm going to take it. Um, fast forward. Uh, so that was 2020. Fast forward a year. You know, things are starting to open up a bit. Um, I've been dabbling in, in the investment world quite a bit. I had a few buddies that I've been doing that with for, for a few years. A few of us say, hey, let's go meet up and celebrate a little bit. Now that things are opening up in 2021, we go to Puerto Rico. So we go to San Juan, Puerto Rico. And I'm sitting there with a few guys, uh, one of which later turned out to be my co-founder for Doroteo, Brandon. Um, so I've been investing with Brandon for many years together. We finally meet face to face. And then we're sitting there. We're thinking like, you know, what do we, what do we want to do next? And we're smoking cigars, looking at the beach. And then we just look at each other and he's like, hey, are you Dominican? Aren't you Dominican? I'm like, yeah. He's like, do you have any any like connections like tobacco? And I'm like, do I? <laughs> <laughs> and then I just whip out that plan, and I'm like, look, man, this. Is... And he was, you know, it was music to his ears. His eyes just lit up. He was like, yes. So he's been a big aficionado for you know many many years, longer than I've been smoking. Um, and uh, you know, he he told me he was he wanted to get into the industry, but it's a, it's a difficult industry to break into. Um, especially in those countries, if you don't have any connections, it's very difficult to operate. Business is yep. not, it doesn't flow the same way we do here in the States. You know, we joke all the time, it's island time. So things operate very differently over there and you just have to know how to navigate. So luckily I had those connections there. I could easily maneuver there. Uh, my folks had retired the same year. Everything was very serendipitous. Right. Like my father retired uh, in 21, February of 21 months prior to us officializing the, the business and his uh, house is actually a three minute walk from this farm here. Oh, okay. So it was, it was perfect. You know, I told my dad like, Hey, you retired, huh? Okay. We're going to keep you busy. <laughs> <laughs> going back to work. Hey, you need a hobby out there. You're going to get bored. Right. <laughs> so, yeah. No. And, and uh, you know, it's also kind of interesting because I've heard of, I've heard of some stories of people going to La Aurora as unknowns. I mean, and, and have some luck. You actually aren't a total unknown. It was just you got to get to the. They had to vet your story. I guess the people who knew, probably didn't know your story or you were talking though. So, right. 
yeah. yeah uh master blender they took me straight to the top i said oh, okay cool yeah so yeah yeah it was awesome no that's great I, I had a chance to visit the factory there um for a couple of the pro cigars it's, it's it's a really it's a great place like you get to use the factory but they've also set up the whole experience center which i think is really cool there as well so uh um i, yeah. I said i always had an affinity for that brand in that factory and it was very interesting when when, when garrett uh told me this when garrett garrett actually told me this i think garrett you told me this coming out of last year's ipcpr this is going way back we talked about this yep yep so um because <clears throat> you were very high on that and he said you got to you got to uh you know, and then one thing led to another, so it's good. So you, you just you you come to an agreement. You're going to start um, supplying tobacco for La Aurora, um, mm-hmm. but at the same time, you also decided that you wanted to have craft your own brand surrounding that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So I wanted to essentially just pay homage to my grandfather. Um, mm-hmm. I feel like uh, in the Dominican Republic, at least, I can't speak for any of the other right. you know respective countries, but in the DR, I know that. You know, he he did, you know, dedicate his life to the craft and left an imprint, you know, um, in that region of Santiago in the Jaque Valley. So yep. I, I just wanted to pay homage to that. He was very, very humble uh, man, like not the type of guy that would like, you yep. know, want to plaster himself everywhere or um, boast himself. So um, it, it only made me want to do it even more. Right. Um and uh, yeah, so when I proposed that to La Aurora, they, you know, they welcomed it with open arms and, you know, with with the commitment that my grandfather dedicated to them for so many decades, um, you know, the master, the master blender, Manoli Noah, he was, he took me under, under his wing, essentially, he was really, really open to just, you know, and patient because he knew like, okay, this kid is completely green, you know, he's right. passionate and he's driven, but you know, I got to get up to speed on a few things. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but he was very generous with his inventory, you know, opened up the pearly gate, so to speak, uh, the aging room. And, you know, we launched with the Lega, El Legado, 14-year-old cigar, like out the bat for a boutique company. It's like, what the heck? Yeah. <laughs> you know, and you're at PCA, you know, to, to debut. So it was, it was pretty awesome that whole, how all of that came together. Um, and initially it wasn't like, I was like, Hey Manny, I want to get like some really well-aged, amazing stuff. Right. He gave, he kind of put us through the gauntlet a little bit cause he wanted, he wanted us to earn it. Uh, he gave us a series of blends, well-aged blends to start off with. And then we started going down the process of elimination. We got down to two out of the two. We chose that one there. And he said, how peculiar that you choose the 14 year old stick right. <laughs> out of the batch. And, right. uh, as soon as he said that, we're just like, what? <laughs> so, yeah. So I'm glad it worked out. Um, but, uh, you know, coming out the gate, I think it was very important for us to kind of like put our stamp and, you know, make uh, at the show. And I think with, with this uh, cigar, it was a perfect way to do that. But like, you know, Garrett could attest to this. When we went to Dominican Republic a couple months ago. Uh, we're more excited, you know, to really show the industry what we have to bring to the table and really show uh, what are, where our our passion uh, lies like, you know, all, all the energy we've dedicated to these uh, core lines that we're going to release here in a couple of weeks. Um, you know, and maybe Garrett wants to talk a little bit more on that, on his experience in the factory, the farm and all that jazz. Yeah. Go ahead, Garrett. Yep. Oh, I, so I can't even really put into words uh, the experience and um, the the meaning of family to a regular guy from the Americas just um, I should say from the United States doesn't 
quite mean the same thing. Um, from the time I entered the DR till I left, it was, I mean, it was all family, love, community, seeing people work together. Um, and it, it was fantastic. The, um, from the farm to, you know, like Juan said, his, his parents live just right around the corner from, from this farm. And you guys, the goat that she makes. <laughs> oh, we're going to, uh, goats coming up a little later in the show, just so you know, but yes, okay. tell the story. I just want to, I have a goat question coming up later. Yeah. I, I mean, and I, I enjoy goat and I've had it prepared many yeah, different ways, yeah. but right. this absolutely slam dunks on any other goat that I've, I've had is, it is delicious. We had it at least three times uh, <laughs> down there and I, I could eat it for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Um, it was fantastic. And then, um, I mean, the celebration that we had um, down there, um, I got to dance with Juan's, with Juan's mom and uh, embarrass myself a little bit because I'm a terrible dancer. But uh, Not at all, man. It was, it was uh, just, uh, it was fun. But the La Aurora uh, piece, working with Manny, um, working with you know jeff moss who's the creative art director um and you know the entire team and just how ideas continued to roll off each other um this team is just a dream come true it it truly is and um i'm excited to talk about the you know the things that we've got coming up so the core line which is uh salt of the earth. And, um, in that we've got two blends that are coming out. Um, so a fun part that we're doing with this is we're actually not disclosing the wrapper or any of the, um, any of the, the, the blended, uh, tobacco varietals of, of this line. Uh, what we want to do in, we're still working on the details on how we're, we're, going to do this but we would we want to do some kind of contest where we involve both consumers and retailers to try to guess the um, exact recipe of this cigar um, or those who who come the most close to it there will be a big clue at pca we're actually bringing one of the tobacco types to the PCA um, that's unique. Many people don't know um, what this tobacco is. I had never heard of it uh, when I went down to the to the DR, but uh, La Aurora uses this. And there's a few other manufacturers that use this kind of tobacco. Um, and it's not a, necessarily a varietal tobacco. It's a process in which they make the tobacco or, or cure the tobacco. Let's start with the A. Does start with an A? It does start with an A. Okay. <laughs> it buddy, start with an A. Okay. Don't, Don't leave it at media. that. Don't include the media. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the cool part is, is uh, that A word will, we will have one of those, uh, actually a couple of those, one for display and then one for uh, people to come by the, the booth and you'll actually be able to sample this um, in one way or another. So we're either going to have some pipes or, or some way, because 
this tobacco is oftentimes used, um, you know, it's cut into pucks and um, given to people to uh, use in pipes or, you know, uh, other things. So if you're going to PCA, come by our booth. And for those who um, are in the media or put in an order, uh, we would love for you to sample this uh, very special, uh, amazing tobacco. Um, and, you know, it hasn't been talked about a whole lot. Um, so we really want to bring light to this uh, amazing process and, and great tobacco. Okay. And when uh, that's so you said that's going to be a new core line that you're going to have. So it's going to be ongoing production out of La Aurora with that. Correct. Correct. Okay. Yeah. Now, Two separate I separate blends. Okay. Now, I saw on the website there were some other blends that were listed besides the Elegato. Is it one of those other blends? No. Okay. So this is something. So Right, right. So we're going to have our core lines, which we're introducing at this PCA, right. Salt of the Earth line. And then we have our legacy sticks. These legacy sticks are going to be ones that we release periodically. Uh, we started off, and these are all going to be the well-aged, you know, limited, exclusive right. joints, like the one you're doing right now. Um, the ones that we have exclusive access to, thanks to Manoli Noah and Lagoda family. Um, just, just for context, when we went in March, we were closing in on on the two blends for the core line but we were also right. sampling all of this well-aged gold we oh we, we tried one this 19 year old stick i i was like a fiend i couldn't right. i couldn't put it down Bro. so good so we have that you know there's so many other ones that we were like you know what like let's focus on the core line for now but we definitely want to come back to those legacy sticks um and when we do we're gonna you know we'll use those names that you see uh, that were specifically tied to my grandfather's timeline. So all the ones you see on the website, those four, Legado, El Alcalde, eh, El Vencedor, and La Reserva Familiar, those four are tied specifically to the timeline in his life. So right. each one corresponds to a time where like El Alcalde, for instance, which translates to the mayor. So like I said earlier, he was mayor of the town. So we'll, we'll commemorate those those milestones uh, with those legacy sticks. That's really cool. You made this conscious decision, though, to release AIDS cigars as opposed to like there's AIDS tobacco, but these were rolled cigars, right? That were in in the factory, right? All the time. Right. So, uh, what went into that decision to do it that? Because that is a different way I've seen anyone launch a company before like that. You were very transparent about saying this is what these were. So, right. what went into that decision? I mean, honestly, man, like, um. Brandon and I, my, my co-founder, like we just, we're just doing our own thing, man. We're not even looking at anybody and going like, okay, what's working for that guy? All okay, right. cool. We're going we're gonna to do that. Or we're also not in this like, okay, we need to make the biggest bang for a buck like yesterday. Right. Like, how do we do that? Okay, right. let's mass produce eight lines out the gate, you know, all rolled this year. Let's sell them. It's two years old. You know, XYZ is doing the same and let's just push it. Uh, which we could have gone that route, but you know, we want one thing that's really important for me, especially in a, and Garrett spoke to this piece about family and how important that is to us. Um, especially if I'm putting my grandfather's name on it, you best yeah. believe, like, if if I you know, uh, misrepresent my family in any way, I'm uh, I'm gonna know about it <laughs> real fast. So it was, it was really important for us to just make sure that a we're honoring the family every single way possible and. Honestly, man, just having a good time and enjoy it. Like, if I am going to release a cigar, I need to enjoy it myself. Right. Before it's not about like, oh, this this cigar really sells. This blend yep. will sell. You know, the price point is great. You know, our margins are going to be great. It wasn't. It's not like that. It's for us. It's it's a passion. It's really yeah. about 
the love for cigars and we want to share that love in anybody that enjoys our cigars essentially you know we vibe with it's like we're on the same wavelength you know that's what it's about right so. right um yeah no i uh i'm enjoying this toro size a lot this is the toro i'm smoking of the eldorado this is a very nice cigar mm. um and uh definitely definitely the tobacco is well aged i can tell you that um but but it's got a lot of flavor and it's actually got a little more strength than i was expecting from the toro uh, and the Robusto, actually, because I've had the Robusto as well. Um, so it isn't like just a, uh, but you can tell this is definitely aged. I can say that. Mm. Yeah, yeah, the so, Toro's my favorite. Yeah, the Toro's, uh, the Toro's I'm really enjoying. Um, and, and as you guys know, uh, with certain cigars, after, you know, five, six years, um, they can start to age out. The one thing that has really impressed me with this, with this. tobacco is like you said, Coop, it still has strength. It still has body. It still yeah. has great flavor to it. And yeah. 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 It's a, it's a, like I said, it's a, it's a nice blend. It's, it's a, and it's got a lot of Dominican tobacco in this too. So it's, a, um, I think there's a little bit of Colombian you have in this too, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. So, so no, yeah, like I said, it was a very interesting strategy that, that you've had to launch a company like that. I was trying to think Aaron of another case with that. I, I don't think I was able to think of one of someone who did that. Yeah, I don't think so. Or at least who's been open about it is what right. I'll say. So, yeah, because uh, the, the pushback is from a, from a retailer standpoint, and, I, and we completely understand. It's like, okay, you know, you have great presentation. You know, you guys look larger than life, even though you're a boutique. Um, the cigar is amazing, but it's limited. Right, so right. how long, how many, how many runs are we going to have with this? You know, how many times are we going to be, be able to re-up? Now, is your core line going to be as good as this? So this is why we are really excited about this piece here because now we really get to, you know, with, with the 14 year old stick, we got people's attention. Now it's like, okay, what do you guys bring to the table? So now we get to showcase that, yeah. you know? Yep. The, the other thing that's a little different that I'll see, and again, I, I'm, I'm intrigued by it um, in a positive way. You have this farm and you have a brand, but you're working with another factory. To, to produce the cigar, which is kind of interesting, I think. Yeah, I mean, the way I look at it, it's all within the yeah. La Aurora family, right? Yeah. So, so this piece here was really just getting back to the basics, right. get back to the roots, right? And and honoring that piece that my grandfather yep. used to do. Um, and it's been it's been a hell of a ride, man. Right. Uh, doing that, that's, that's really fun, um, super challenging, but super rewarding too. Um, and we're actually about to step it up a notch with the farm. You know, one thing that I've always thought about is like, okay, how can we make it better? Um, and and that always comes back to like every time we do any show, um, you know, TPE recently and PCA the year prior, uh, folks always look at the videos because we we did a, like a legit uh, videography and production. And we flew a whole crew out there for the harvest and recorded the whole process, the factory, the farm, even a day of day in the life of of my cousin who who uh, is operating the farm down there. Um, and folks always say like, man, that looks so badass. I would love to go see it in person. And so this trip that we took in March, I, I thought to myself, like, it would be awesome if we did like a trial run. Let's just, let's just dip our toes in it. Let's right. do like a beta launch here of tours. So I've always been thinking like, you know, I want to expose folks in the States and all over, across the globe to what it's like to be at the farm. And that more so than just, I know we have Pro Cigar and DR and all these other shows. But for me, I'm big on like the intimate, smaller, really take your time and yeah. really like, you know, just get the raw, raw feel for what the place is yeah. and the, the food, the culture, everything versus just like going through presentations with big groups, which is fun too. 
but I, I wanted to really dive into that more, that niche uh, of space of like exposing folks um, to, you know, this culture and every, everything that it, that it brings. So we're actually ramping up now. We just closed a deal where we're going to be um, starting farm tours uh, the, the next year. So I'm, I'm aiming for uh, January, February timeframe. But essentially, it's going to consist of um, six day, a six day trip. So you'll it'll start off in Puerto Rico, where all of this began. Um, it'll be a fishing trip on a yacht for three days, fly fishing. You'll be smoking Don Dorotel. The whole thing where we'll supply all the cigars, dinners, all that jazz. Um, you get to Punta Cana, which is on the far east of Dominican mm-hmm. Republic. You'll take a a puddle jumper there, take a, a quick flight to Santiago, where where this is. And then you'll spend three days there and you'll stay. We'll put people up on an Airbnb, completely safe, all the all the jazz, because I know mm-hmm. sometimes folks yep. get weirded out going to the countries. Uh, my cousin, who actually served in the Air Force with me, decided during the pandemic that he's going to move to the DR. He's operating the farm. So he'll go and pick you up at right. uh, the airport, uh, take you to the Airbnb. My mom will cook everyone, all the guests, <laughs> a dinner oh, wow. that night. Nice. Just like the one that, that Garrett was describing right. there. Um, the next day, uh, we'll do La Aurora tours. And we're not talking about like that quick five minute tour. This is an intimate in-house, like you're with, with the family, yep. uh, tour you'll get, you know, exclusive, uh, uh, or personalized, I should say, uh, time with, with Manny, the master blender, um, later that night, we'll have a full blown event at the farm. So imagine what I'm trying to bring to this industry is more like on, on this side of it, the, on the farm. Yeah. It's kind of like what I've experienced when I moved to California. So you go to Napa Valley and you see the vineyards and you're, you're just trying to sampling the wines and you see the grapes. It's just like, it's an experience, yeah. you know, yeah. it's, it's like breathtaking. Yeah. It's beautiful. And it's like, man, we need that. You know, we have, we have, look, look how beautiful that looks. Like I would love to be there, sit there mm-hmm. and I'm eating some Kahlua pork that was cooked right at the farm smoking a cigar paired with some amazing rum, you know, that was cured right there. Um, have live music, have a, a personal uh, cigar roller right there in person and get essentially the a presentation from my cousin who's operating the farm down there, you know, and then on the, on the third day, you fly back to uh, um, Punta Cana and you go back on the yacht. <laughs> so oh, like, nice. That's a hell of a trip, right? So yeah. <laughs> that, that's that's kind of where all of this comes together. That's what the vision has been for the farm all along. It's just it takes time to get these pieces in, in place, you know, to execute. Yeah, no, it, it definitely does. I, I imagine you had a set. I mean, I've been on a few farm things. There's like pavilions that need to be set up and things like that, right, to, to host right. this types of thing. So it's not just like you just show up and you're, you're sitting on a chair in the mud. Yeah. Exactly. So, yeah, exactly. Yeah. No. Mm-hmm. It's that sounds that sounds really uh, unique. And the idea with that is you're gonna build interest in what your family story is to to your customers there. I think which is a very good thing. Yeah. I mean, from a marketing standpoint, yes. Yeah. You get that exposure. Um, you know, talk about brand loyalty. Like you go and fly out and you have that kind of experience, you'll never forget that. Yeah. Um, but then also just in general, exposing folks to a different side. Uh, you know, folks that might be you know super down the rabbit hole like like us here. Or folks that are maybe new to uh, cigars, but not they like fly fishing. So they'll go to mm-hmm. PR, they'll start their fly fishing, and then they, they go to DR and they get this experience and they fall in love with the whole thing. And now we have some new aficionados, right? So it's it's also an opportunity to cross-pollinate into other industries and, and uh, you know, get some new smokers so we could rally. <laughs> yeah, right, right. No, it's great. The farm, is the farm closer to Punta Cana or is it closer to Santiago? 
It's inside. It's in Santiago. It's like a ten minute to the okay the monument. Yeah. Okay. Oh, so that's I. I know. Yeah. It, it's. Yeah, I know San Diego. Yeah, the monument. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean, you- a lot of people can, you know, to piggyback on this, uh, a lot of people can do, you know, factory tours and and things. There's uh, Pro Cigar and El Sabor and um, and all of that. The the difference here is it is not only focused on one cigar, but it's focused so much on culture and family and legacy. And each one of these, you know, fa- and I know that any one of these you know, any other brand could do something like this, but, um, you know, the, the idea is that we immerse somebody in, you know, in a few people in a unbelievable opportunity to, um, feel the history. I remember sitting at that, that celebration dinner, and I actually had a moment where it was like somebody was cutting onions or something. I got emotional, you know, um, because, seeing how this community just rallied around and was so passionate about what they were doing and, you know, from food to cigars, to dancing, to, you know, everything, it was unbelievably beautiful. And you can't get that in any other of these factory tours that I've ever heard about. So <clears throat> I'm super excited for this to kick off. And yeah, that's good. Yeah. You know, I tell people Garrett, um, Pro Cigar, and I highly recommend it. It's a great, but it's mm. it's more of an appetizer. Okay, you're just gonna get you're gonna get a little taste of all these different factories and farms throughout the week, but you, you don't get you know I've been on ones where it's more in depth and and you really get a sense of that. This sounds like this sounds really cool. What you guys are doing, I like this a lot. Uh, and you're right. There's something about like I, I just love the, the the and and Juan, you mentioned the Dominican Republic. I've, I've never felt unsafe in the Dominican Republic either. Just so you know. So I've been, sure, I've been yeah, I've been going there quite a bit. So I feel always feel safe there. So I did have yeah. an Uber driver. I did have an Uber. Well, the Uber I stay away from Uber. <laughs> I have stayed away from Uber. I've had bad experiences with Uber. Yes. Yeah. I will say that uh I did have an Uber driver that uh pulled over to the side and said, uh, you know, I, I canceled the ride. If you want to make it to your destination, you're gonna have to pay me cash dollars. Yep, yeah. yep. I had that happen to me too. So um, yes, and it was a pro so this year I actually um, I combined. Well, Fred Rui got a got us a, got us a driver, because yeah. there was times we didn't want to take the bus back or anything. So that's what we had to do. Yeah, because the Uber situation actually has gotten worse in the last couple of years. Yeah, we're sticking to the personal drivers. Yeah, yeah <laughs> that's that's, that's, that's the best that's the best way to do it. There's, there's no better way yeah. to do that as well. So uh, that's that's a pretty exciting uh, deal, and I think it's a very kind of unique concept. Um, especially for a, a new brand and a smaller brand. Um, and like I said, your brand is, I think, very just this whole model that you guys have, it, it's a unique model. And what like I said, what I really am intrigued by this is you're all playing, you play into your core competencies very well, Juan. You, you obviously, the farming business is something that's been in your family. Uh, you know, Lara Roar, they're like, you know, you, you, they're like family to you, as you said, you know, the factory. Mm-hmm. Um, and now you're you're you know you're launching the brands on top of that with your vision. So I think it's 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 very interesting. I'm very intrigued by this whole thing. It's not, I think it positively. I'm intrigued by it. Is what I want to say. Thanks, man. Yeah. And to yeah. you know um, reiterate, Don Zorteo is here to be in the cigar industry. Um, the love and the passion that Juan and the family and everybody that's involved in this project is super passionate yep. about the industry and making moves and um, trying to think of unique ways for us to um, fit into, because 
I mean, look, we've all seen several cigar brands come into this industry, try and make a splash, and then we don't hear from them. Um, what what Juan and the team is building is something absolutely special. And I'm just honored to be along for the ride and, and adding my pieces as, as we go. And so uh, look for continued innovation, um, continued amazing cigars, and it's, it's going to be awesome. That's great. What the core line, have you announced the name of that yet or not yet? We have. So, well, we haven't officially done it, but we have, we're, we're going to mention them. Like, so we have the salt of the earth is the, the overall yep. core name. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the two, and actually uh, the person who named them was Garrett. Wow. So, so we were actually in Dominican Republic. We're sitting there and we're kind of like, you know, the gears are turning and he just starts spitting fire and we're like, he's connecting it all to the salt of the earth. And it was just, so I'll let him kind of run through that. So, uh, you know, not, not to get, uh, overly, uh, biblical religious, but, uh, salt of the earth, um, being, um, you know, having its roots in mm-hmm. some, some scripture, um, for those who don't know my, my first career, I was actually a pastor for five years, um, went to seminary in the whole nine. And one of my, this is a little, this is a little nerdy. Um, actually one of my first, I belong to this gaming, uh, crew that we competed on call of duty. And my first, uh, gamer name was Livingstone, which, uh, it, it was this Christian, uh, you know, group of guys that got together and mm-hmm. compete and just whatever. So Livingstone was always a piece and that's, um, found in Timothy and then it, that is connected to salt of the earth and then also cornerstone. So Livingstone and cornerstone are the English names. Uh, Juan, I'll let you pronounce, pronounce the, the Spanish name. I'm still working on it. So this sounds so much sexier in Spanish. So we used to go the, keep it in the, keep it in the, you know, in, in the tradition. So uh, um, Livingstone Piedra Viva. So Piedra Viva um, and then cornerstone Piedra Angular. So those are going to be the two names, uh, abbreviations work to PV and PA. (laughs) Yeah, that's cool. That's cool. You, you, so, you know, you have, obviously you have your, you have your plan to get your cigars, uh, and obviously you have a lot coming on, uh, a lot to look forward to, but you know, sometimes the hardest part we see one with a lot of smaller companies is one thing to get the cigars. Now it's the next thing to get distribution in the US. Uh, and I guess that's where Garrett has come in, right? So obviously you, you brought Garrett in for that. How did how did um how did you come to the decision to bring Garrett in? I mean obviously you guys very, knew each other. Yeah. It was very serendipitous, man. Like um uh, a lot of this and I kept keep saying that about so many things. It really is just the way we're flowing with it, man. It's all right. organic. So after PCA, uh you know, we're getting buzz and we're like crap, like I need to start building a sales team. <laughs> so, so I start, you know, I started putting, getting, getting the plan together and I'm like, okay. And I was like, man, I need to get like, I need to find somebody that can rally other folks and kind of lead the pack. I need that lone wolf who can stand aside, you know, Brandon and I and Jeff, you know, while we're all going 110 miles per hour, you know, on the, in different lanes, but going the same direction. And, you know, uh, we did a podcast together. How about that cigar? 
And then he calls me and he's like, hey, man, uh, you know, he was kind of going through the same crossroads as I was uh, when I started the company, which mm -hmm. was like, you know, I have an opportunity. I could go into tech and make good money, but I would love to just go into cigars this is what I, this is what he loves. And uh, I was honored that he called me first. And, you know, I was like over the moon. I was like, are you kidding me, dude? Like, heck yeah, let's go let's do it. So um you know he's awesome obviously he's a, he's a mouthpiece but aside from that right. he offers he offers a whole lot so he helped us out with um you know getting our our infrastructure in place you know this is being fully transparent here from from a fulfillment and and uh distribution standpoint you know as far as setting up the sales team all the core principles of of you know uh building the sales team rallying the sales team nurturing the sales team so that they can execute and win um so he was he was a pivot on all those those elements. Wait, all right, Garrett, I want to ask a question because was Juan on the week before I was there? It seems like it was right. I, I want to say Juan was the show before I visited and was on the show. It was December. like December. Yeah. That's why I was saying I knew it was December. Yeah, when yeah. I watched I was just I think I'm trying to just remember now. Yeah, I think I, it was right around then. Yeah. 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 Because I think I was on the 10th and maybe you were on the 3rd or something like that. It was very close to that. Yeah. Yeah, and originally I, we started talking because you know I because I, I watched that show on the plane. That's why I'm remembering this. Ah, uh, sure. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I had a brokerage, and you know, yeah. originally, you know, tossing around thoughts of of bringing on the brand to the brokerage, but we didn't have room on the brokerage um, for another brand, right. and I was looking to really um, expand um, that skill set and and take that leap into into something bigger and with everything i saw from juan and and the team and the cigar and then hearing about future plans i was like man i would love to get in on the ground floor of this and um yeah be a part of this oh it's that's good but you you took on this brand it's a first of all it's a new brand it's a brand that had one line and a, and a more premium line. Let's. This is a more premium cigar. Yep. So, what are some of the challenges you've had with that uh, kind of introducing that brand, or maybe some of the positives you've had in terms of going with that approach now? So the, I mean, the the biggest roadblock obviously is is the price point. It, well, it's two it's twofold. One, it is for majority of consumers and retailers. Who is Don Dorteo? What what is this? Right. right? And then it's the price point. So I come to Mr. Or Mrs. Retailer and I say, this is a fantastic cigar, 14-year-old aged at one of the best uh, factories in, in the world, um, uh, blended by one of the great masters of, of blending. And I haven't had anyone say, yeah, it's an okay cigar. Right. Everybody has agreed that this is a damn good cigar. So you've got a good cigar, but you don't have a name and you're coming in, you know, 20 plus to 30 plus dollars yep. per cigar, depending on the size. Right. Um, so those are the biggest um, obstacles that we've had to uh, face. Right. Doing events and things like that to try and get the, you know, the word out of this isn't just some new cigar company coming out and bringing a, a cigar to the market. It is uh, rooted in, in a long history of, of tobacco and, um, and family and legacy. And then the plus side has been telling the story, 
this is a fantastic story in cigars. It's not, uh, and, and not to minimize anybody who has put in the work and, you know, like I look at people like Lee Marsh who went in, has no history in, in tobacco and did what he did to create Stolen Throne. And, and that is a fantastic story. Um, contrast to what Juan and team has done with Don Doroteo is took this, this old legacy of, you know, 60 plus years in farming and relationship with La Aurora. And, um, it, you know, so that has been the, the piece that I have appreciated the most is, is this, this long history and telling the story. And I'm looking forward to uh, a time where we don't have to continue to tell the story. Right. Know the story. People recognize that uh, the origins of this go way beyond um, the cigars that we bring to market, um, that they started many, many years ago. And um, we'll be known for always putting out a fantastic cigar. Is is the marketing approach, obviously the marketing approach to reach cons on a consumer channel, is it more like... Are you gonna? Is the, the I'm assuming the focus is gonna be more on the story. I've seen some companies, for example, they don't go with the story; they go with more of like this gorilla TikTok type. Of, and I know you've done some of that with How About That Cigar, so I'm not knocking it. I'm just saying there's different approaches where you know you you do a cute little video or something like that. What's more of the approach? Is the approach gonna be to, to stick more with the story here? Uh, a little bit of both. So uh -huh. again, I come from you know the tech world, digital mm -hmm. marketing product marketing. So I love to play in that space. And I know that how powerful that is. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, you know, I'm not going to diminish the, you know, the legacy piece, because it's, yeah. it's rich, you know, that in itself is a story, right? Yeah. Um, so we're trying to have like a happy balance of, of, you know, where we are focused on we're brand centric, um, cigar centric, where we, I do weekly updates on the farm. So I like to give like behind the scenes yep. on like, you know, what's going on this week in the farm during the harvest, you know, whether it's an obstacle, whether it's, you know, a celebration, whatever the case is. And in between, we'll sprinkle in some some of the fun stuff, you know, just for brand recognition. It is important. Um, but we're sticking to the brand uh, model. You know, um, I think in itself, you know, to Garrett's point, it's a rich enough uh, story and history where we can really lean on it. Um, and even even to like the downfalls, like with the, with the price point pushback. You know, like for me, at the end of the day, it's not even, it's not price gouging. It's none of that. It's quality over quantity. Yep. You know, I could have gone in there and I could have said, hey, I want six lines. I want to look like I've been around for, you know, I, I wanted a, I wanted the best stick I could find, right. the best stick. And when we all smoked this cigar collectively, we knew like, this is it. This is the one we're going to launch with. And I, you know, one thing that I've, and, and Garrett, you know, call my bluff if I'm if I'm lying. You know, we I've I've said on calls numerous times because I've brought in Garrett. You know, if I start off uh, sales VP. That's his title, but I've brought him in on calls where we're making you know, you know, the uh, final bottom line decisions on on lines and all kinds of stuff. And the one thing we repeatedly say is we are not going to dilute the quality for a buck. That is not going to happen. Right. So um, before we do that, we're just gonna you know smoke our own quantity our own supply and let you know just watch the sunset whatever, like, right. mm -hmm. and let it be um so yeah man like as far as like uh pushback from legado or what you can expect from core lines the core line for instance was rolled this year 
So we're, we don't have that to lean on like, oh, it's a 14, 18 year old cigar. Um, so really it's going to have to come down to like the construction, you know, uh, the quality of the tobaccos we use and, and, you know, the, the methodologies that the master blender alongside us put together and all, all, you know, it'll speak for itself. Right. I'm really excited for you guys to get your hands on that. No, excellent. I'm looking forward to that as well. And you've been, like I said, you so you've been working with Manuel Anoa on this. You've been involved with the process as far as devel- the development of this salt of the earth. Yeah, yeah. I mean, honestly, we started talking about it at PCA last year. I'm, I'm, I'm a, such an annoying <laughs> dude. Yeah. I, you know, because because again, I, I understand that he's a he's an extremely busy guy. You know, he's doing tours around the world, you know, which is crazy to me. You know, we, we brought this up earlier about La Aurora. La Aurora to us, you know, it, A, it's, uh, yes, it's the oldest company, uh, cigar manufacturing factory in the Dominican Republic. But I feel like it doesn't get the love and respect that it really deserves um, in the U.S. in particular. And thankfully, they're starting to to build that. But in Europe, man, it's like, you know, Manuel is out there yeah. half the year. Yeah. You know, and he's you know going to all kinds of uh, events and 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 exposing folks to to the beautiful tobaccos there in the Dominican Republic. But uh, yeah, it's ever since PCA of last year, you know, I was talking with Manuel about salt of the earth. You know, so and just coming down with with the ideas and everything, and then just working together however we can to get it down. Yeah, so. yeah. I mean, and, uh, yeah. And, go ahead, Garrett. And, and originally, um, this is how you know cool. Um, you know, working with Juan and Brandon and Jeff is in March when we were, the plan wasn't to come out with two blends. That was not in the cards um, for the original plan. But as Jeff and I were smoking through some of these blends, we got, there were these two blends that we kept going back and forth with, like, these are amazing. And I can't decide between these two. Um, And that is how we decided that these two cigars were going to be our two core line cigars uh, or our core line cigars, two blends uh, underneath, underneath the core line. So, um, but that process sitting in that room with Manny and Jeff and everybody smoking and I'll never forget the the moment that we picked up the the first cigar that's going to be in in the core line. Jeff and I looked at each other at the same time. We had this <laughs> look on our faces like what the flip are we smoking right now? It was so that was awesome. Yeah. And and then thinking, okay, this has got to be it. There's not going to be anything better. And then uh we smoked another one that just didn't hit. And then we smoked this other one and we're like, oh my gosh, what is going on right now? Uh, amazing experience. So that's great. So I have a question, Coop. Yep. So uh, I'm assuming with the legacy lines, that they're all, they'll be similarly priced to the Elgato and that it w- are the core lines going to be in that same price range or will they meet, be maybe more a, a lower price range? Not saying a cheap cigar, but kind of in a, a, a lower price point. Yeah, it was really good. Quote. Go ahead, brother. Oh, I was just going to say, you know, it was important to us to bring a core line cigar that is going to be approachable to a larger demographic. So absolutely price point was uh, a big part of our target. And it is going to be at, you know, our target price range is going to be that 14 to 17 mm-hmm. 
12 to 16. Mm-hmm. Um, we're still playing with, uh, we're not, we're not, um, we're not going to post what uh, those numbers are just yet. We're still working sure. on them, but they are going to be more approachable for sure. Okay. Yeah. Cause I could see that being um, an attractive way to kind of reach different kinds of smokers. Because I remember when we went, uh, you know, we were nice enough to be able to spend some time at eight lounge in, in Vegas at, you know, TPE and going into the, the humidor there, uh, you know, Don Dorteo was kind of front and center in that, in that humidor. And, and I could see it perfectly fitting in that uh, kind of environment. Uh, you know, it's kind of a higher end type of lounge. You probably yeah. have a higher end clientele that's coming yep. in there. I can see all your legacy product kind of fitting into that kind of a range and that fits. Um, mm-hmm. But you know, that's sometimes that's going to be a little bit out of reach for other smokers. So yeah, you having this core line that kind of, and you know, 12 to $16 with the way pricing is happening now with cigars is not, uh, you it's know, average. That's, it's almost that's average. Much what's yeah. the average now, you know, yeah. prices have gone up for a lot of cigar brands. So yeah, I think definitely having that kind of gives you a, yeah. an entry to another group of smokers as well that can then he- hear the story and obviously, if they like those cigars, I don't think that they're going to, you know, have a problem going up a, a few dollars more to try the legacy brands. So also, also, once you know what it takes, you know, behind the scenes to actually put get one of these blends together and release it yeah. to the market. You know, uh, the, the key dilemma here, a lot of folks don't talk about um, just peeling behind the curtain is, you know, it comes down to like for, for us, for instance, as I mentioned, quality is key, right? So quality over quantity. But with that said you know, how, you know, we have seven uh, classifications of tobacco in each blend that we're going to release at PCA. So we have seven different types of tobacco, you know, what price point am I going to get those tobaccos versus yep. of Calito Fuente, Rocky Patel, right. you know, they earned their right. They've been in the game way long, right? Um, we're green, you know, we got to earn our stripes. But with that said, you know, how do you, it's a, it's a balance. It's a, you know, a dance, you know, trying to make sure that you don't dilute your quality while you're also not going over your margins. Right. Mm-hmm. So, and you don't want to price gouge. So you're like, okay, we're trying. So, so off the bat, like, you know, with the legacy sticks, yes. The legacy sticks are the ultra premium, exclusive, limited, well-aged cigars. You know, we're going to price them exactly at where they belong um, at the same range where, where the legado is. But with the core line, what I'm trying to do is um, release something that's more affordable to the masses, but not diluting quality. Yep. So again, that having seven different classifications of tobacco from four different countries, um, and then the process that we went through with Manny. Um, and, and, and as time goes on, we're going to play and see. I'm going to try and get creative and see how we can get even more affordable cigars released in the market to the folks. But again, it comes down to, you know, how much are you getting those tobaccos for? How much yep. can you sell? It? You know, like without without breaking the bank. So and you, you got to stay true to the story, right? Yeah, you can't, um, yeah, right. yeah. Can't just start coming out with bundle cigars all of a sudden. No, exactly. No. You know, yeah. I, I saw one company do that actually, and I think it worked out bad for them when they did that. They started yeah, yeah. with a high quality product, and then they went the other end, and I think it was not good for them. So I, I agree. I think that's the approach. And Aaron just mentioned the price point. We we re, I think on each of our sites we review about hundred cigars a year. Aaron, my price point was somewhere in that thirteen to fourteen dollar average last year. Yeah, it was the same so, for me. So yeah. you're right, you're you're really right there. And then you have a story, and the tobacco speaks for itself. That's a that's a pretty if you if that's where you guys are thinking, that's that's not a bad place to be. Yeah, is what I'm gonna say. It, especially if you mm-hmm. have a product like this. Yeah. 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 As long as uh, as long as we're we're able to uphold the standard that we've 
um, kind of made for ourselves on branding, you know, which is Jeff Forte, Jeff Moss, that's his world. Um, so doing outstanding branding, whether it's presentation at the, the yeah. expos, the shows, the farm, doing those events that we mentioned, or even just uh, when you go walk in the humidor and you see um, uh, a box, don't know the box. Yeah. So like one of the things that, that was mentioned to me by a couple of trusted sources, uh, a one-on-one, obviously, no one called me out publicly, um, but I'll call myself out publicly on it. That really bothered me was the quality of the, the legado box the first one we went with. So imagine, you know, we're ramping up to, to release our first cigar at PCA in, in 22. Uh, simultaneously, I'm, I'm operating a farm for the first time. Yep. <laughs> so we're, we're, we're dropping the, we're really doing our first harvest ever um, there. So Garrett's holding the box. So it looks like, a, looks like a Willy Wonka, you know, chocolate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yep. Here, so, yep. here it is. I'm just talking so that I can, Get it up. Yep. So we are, you know, ramping up and doing all these kinds of things, running uphill as fast as we can, essentially, down to that finish line of PCA, which is our grand debut. Um, and when we did everything, when everything was said and done, everything was perfect, except for the box. Mm. So the first thing I did, and I said, like, if I'm going to charge, you know, 20 plus for a cigar, like, the whole experience better be amazing. Fulfillment yeah. better be quick. You know, communication better be perfect. You know, presentation better be amazing, all aside from the cigar itself uh, holding its own, right? So immediately after PCA, we're like, okay, we need to go back to the drawing board. You know, we got with uh, uh, one of the most respected uh, box manufacturers in in the industry out of Nicaragua. And uh, we actually are in the process of reboxing every single Legado. Uh, So we have the new box for for the Legacy 6, we're going to debut at PCA. And also for all, even the other, the core line, which is going to be more affordable, we're not going to dilute on the branding or the presentation, any of that. I like that. Good, good job with that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Good job with that. Um, because that's a big that's a big point. When I see a, a cigar, it starts to get closer to that twenty dollar point. I'm I'm particular. I want to see a great presentation for it. That's just yep. something I look for. Um, and uh, that Jeff Jeff used to work with Alec Bradley, right? That's right. Yeah, yeah mm-hmm. I know because Jeff used to live. Jeff used to live. Uh, I'm in Charlotte. He used to live in my area, so yep. I know he was involved with the whole Alec Bradley rebranding. Um, many years ago, so he does really good work. You got a guy who's really good. You're working with he's amazing man i you know yep. it was it's crazy how we even got to the point of calling him a partner you know brandon actually uh, him and i when we were coming up with this idea like we want to release a cigar you know we're on fiverr looking for like cigar band designers and on pinterest of all places <laughs> and brandon tells me hey i found this dude on pinterest you should check him out so i hit up jeff didn't know who he was and I'm like, hey, man, you open for like a Zoom call. So I get on a call with him and I'm looking at his, ba- his background. You see all these placards and stuff and awards. And I'm like, oh, shit, <laughs> I should have done my homework. <laughs> Who is this guy? So I look him up and I'm like, oh, this guy's a goat. He's like, you know, legendary in the industry. Yeah, he, he's uh, very good. Uh, like I said, he used yeah. to live in the next town over from me. I don't think he's yeah, in North yeah. Carolina anymore. But yeah, that's how I, I had kind of run into him. I think at an event. He had done mm-hmm. with Alec Bradley. That's how I got to know him. So yeah, he's been doing this a long time. You got a really good guy there. And and at the time, he was out of the industry. He said, like, yeah, you know, I finished up my contract with Alec Bradley, and now I'm going to focus on my family, uh, my family's um, passion and heritage, which is doing the the excursions and expeditions that his father 
and mother, you know, um, used to do way back in the day in the, in the early 60s. Um, his father was actually one of the founding fathers of the modern day tent to go camping, which oh, nice. was, yeah, the uh, the patent was bought out by REI way back in the day. Um, and so he's trying to revive that and, and go back into that. So I think when I was talking to him and I'm talking about my grandfather, there was a lot of points that were clicking for him that we we just were on the same page as far as like yep. following, you know, passion and family yep. and heritage. And I think that's the piece that kind of lured him in. And then when he, I, I took him to the farm in February of 22 for the harvest, when we had that camera crew out there. And I think when he saw the harvest and he saw these plants as big as I am, <laughs> he was like, all right, you guys are like, you guys are really serious about this. Like, you're not kidding. And, you know, I think it really touched him the fact that we're like so passionate about it. And he's a very passionate guy himself. And it was actually at the farm. He's like, okay, guys, I'm in. You're like, we're not going to do no, no 1099, no contract. Like I'm in <laughs> yeah. all the way. Yep. So. Yep. No, that's great. Uh, I got one more question and we get some other fun stuff we'll hit. Um, not that this wasn't fun. This was great. Um, accessories. I also noticed you guys are dabbling in some accessories too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, first thing we did was uh, uh, the leather cases, right? Mm -hmm. So there's really cool leather cases. Yep. Um, that all was started off as a marketing campaign. Again, coming back from my, my background in marketing, you know, first thing I did was like, okay, let me look up, start looking through social media. My, my favorite folks on YouTube, um, some of my favorite folks on uh, even TikTok, you know, because a, a lot of eyes and ears go there now. So wherever yep. the eyes and ears go, that's where they follow, right? So I, I made a laundry list of folks I, I hit up and um, I said, you know, I'm just going to I'm going to make some cool little little like a gift. I want to present the cigar in a way that's unique and different. Mm -hmm. So I actually had these uh, leather cases uh, customized and I had the Dorotel logo on it. It was very kind of rudimentary, the first model, um, but it was all for a campaign. I wasn't going to sell to anybody. So I uh, I put a cool little business card in there. I put some Legado cigars. I had a branded lighter, branded uh, cutter. I put the little double-sided pamphlet in there for Legado. And I sent it out to all of these key influencers that I wanted to reach out to. Um, and the reception from from their followers was like, where can I buy this? And and it was so much so that I I you know I spoke to Brandon. I'm like, dude, I think we I think we just found our first piece of merch. You know, I think yeah. we need a you know. Yep, yep. And the cool thing about it, it's like it's not it's unique uh, to what everything else is in the market. Same as like with all the other pieces of merch we're trying to release. Where we don't want to do things that are kind of like gimmicky, like the typical things you could just brand quickly and 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 put up on the on the store. Um, the leather cases themselves are are handmade uh, in the Ukraine in kiev of all places oh wow so while while the the war is kicking off you know i'm talking to this <laughs> yeah. guy i'm talking to this guy on like on whatsapp and i'm like hey dude uh how quick can you get he's like i'm going to try to get you done for you you know <laughs> I'll, I'll get you i'll get you 50 done in the next three weeks god willing <laughs> i'm like oh god yeah. like so but those wow. guys are hardcore man like you know, it's three guys in this leather shop and, and, you know, I'm like watching the news and I'm like, how, the fuck? how are they yeah. doing this right now? Yeah. But you know, they, they got it done on time, man. And and uh, three weeks later packages come in and I'm like, wow, man, these guys are cut from a different cloth. Mm. <laughs> that's for sure. Yeah. So. Wow. Awesome. So that's great. That's great to hear. That's a nice story. Yeah. Okay. Got a couple of questions for you. Um, this first one is called, uh, this is our ties that bind question, and I'll explain what it is. Sponsored by Tobacco USA, makers of iconic brands such as Monte Cristo, Romeo Julieta, H. Upman, 
and eating room cigars, Tobacco USA, great things are happening here. So The Ties That Bind is a song by Bruce Springsteen, and it's the name of this segment. It's not a music segment I'm going to give you, but I'm going to give you three things, and you basically got to tell me what they all have in common. Now, I threw a softball to you guys tonight because I didn't know one, right? Sometimes I really will hit people with some harder ones that I know. So you're getting a little bit. Aaron, just, you know, uh, these weren't in the notes. I had to cut and paste them at the okay. beginning of the show. But I think I think it's an easy one, but let's see how it is. Um so all these three things are names of people. And you just got to basically tell me what they all, they have something more in common than just being people's names. Okay. Right? And the names are Tomas, Carlos, and Diego. And they're, I know they're all Spanish names. I'm looking for something a little more specific. What do they all have in common? Tomas, Carlos, and Diego. And this is related to the, the song? Not related to the song at all. Not related to the song at all. There's something they have in common, and I'll give you a hint. It's actually something uh, a little closer. To, it's uh, it's it's cigar related. So, so we're talking about the manufacturers, <laughs> Tomas, Carlos, Diego. I know, I know. <laughs> you're talking about the manufacturers. They're they're brands. Yeah, yeah. They're brands. I think Honestly, man, yeah. You should hit it with a little harder one. <laughs> I, 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 I have to sometimes you know, test the water sometimes with this. Yeah. Okay. Uh, you guys can give the answer if you want. They are all Dons. Correct. Yes. I was going to put Pepin in there. I'm like, that's too easy. Or <laughs> Toroteo. Like, it would have been too easy. That's why they put Toroteo in there. <laughs> They're all Dons. They're all names that have a Don in it. Yeah. Yeah. I said the this was an easy one. Next time you get in a harder one. <laughs> All right, that was that was our uh, e that was an easy one. But uh, I don't know. Some people I know some people got. I, didn't, I my chat's not working great tonight, so I don't know if some folks got it. But that was our ties up buying question. Now the next question is our cattle baron st steak question of the night. Now this is not related to steak, and it's kind of ironic. I said there was going to be a go question in there, <laughs> and this is uh, so. Uh, Juan, what is the best way to prepare chiva, which is the name for goat? Chivo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I, you have to ask my mom for the whole process, but... <laughs> I, I feel it was going to be a mom's favorite, recipe. <laughs> my favorite my favorite part of the of the cooking experience, I remember this even going way back when I was a kid, is the part where she grabs a rum bottle and she just pours the whole thing in there. <laughs> <there. laughs> so that's, that's my favorite part. Um, it's a, uh, I mean, I don't know how many folks, I mean, I, I guess for mo for a lot of folks, it's kind of like an exotic meat, yeah. but uh, it, it can be a little gamey. Um, so yep. there's a specific process to making sure that like, and I believe she is uh, laurel leaves and, and the rum and, and some other ingredients that, that they use in order to um, kind of uh, get rid of that gaminess to it um, and give it like those, those good spices. Um, yeah, that's, that's all I got on the Chivo. <laughs> I, I've gotten hooked on it, uh, especially yeah? my last visit to the Dominican. Yeah. So I went to this restaurant called Noah, which is by the uh, the monument, mm -hmm. and I was advised to order a risotto with it in it, and, and it was incredible. And nice. then the next night, I run into Jose Blanco, who's eating dinner at the hotel restaurant. And he's eating some sort of stew. And I'm like, that really looks good, Jose. What's that stew you're eating? 
And he told me it was a Chiba stew. So I ended up ordering that uh, at room service at like 1130 at night. <laughs> uh, so I've been, I was just totally getting hooked. It's, it's really, it's really good. It was really good yeah. at both. I was very, uh, that was my first experience. I've been to the DR a few times, but this last trip was like my first experience having it. And I thought it was excellent. One thing that's interesting uh, I'll know is that uh, whenever my folks come into town, so they're actually here now, right. they're visiting right now. Um, my mom always runs to like the international market and wants to make us, you know, all the, all the goodies. So right. she'll make the cool pork, the, the chivo and all that. But for some reason, I think also the, the meat is just different. Mm. I don't know. I don't know what it is, but when she makes it over here, it doesn't hit the same way as, you know, back, back in the Dominican Republic. Well, over there, you go to like the, the butcher shop <laughs> you just yeah. pick out your go like I want yeah that one right there. <laughs> poor guy <laughs> my wife says with game my wife says that sometimes when it's domestically uh when it's more domestic game it's less gamey so if it's domesticated animals as opposed to wild yeah. animals it will be yeah that makes sense it'll have less gamey um but it was like i said that was really really good aaron i don't know if you've ever had it i don't know if you'd like it or not um, I've had goat uh but i think more like a jamaican style uh preparation okay so mm -hmm. yeah Okay. Yeah. No, I liked here it. In the, here in the Twin Cities, there's a um, uh, a big Arab um, population, um, and the way that they serve it. Uh, well, and there's some Indian restaurants too that make a curried goat. Uh, it's very good, but nobody has touched how Juan's mom has made goat. Oh wow! Yeah, that's that's the biggest selling point for the tours. Right. Forget mm -hmm. about the cigars yeah. and fly fishing on the yacht. It's, yeah. it's the chivo. <laughs> All right. yeah. Nice, nice. All right, guys, I got one more segment. I said this the second segment's short, so uh, I got to do a commercial read. You guys okay for uh, two minutes, and then we can get in. Yeah. We'll get into that final segment there. Uh, so I first want to mention JRE Tobacco, and the authentic Corojo leaf is one of the most robust and flavorful tobacco leaves out there. During the golden age of Southern Cuba, the leaf of choice to make some of the world's greatest cigars. Because it's one of the most challenging ones to cultivate, it fell out of favor by the 1990s. In the Hamastran Valley in Honduras, Julio Aroa took on the challenge of growing Corojo seeds. And in 2000, he successfully reintroduced authentic Corojo back to the market. With over 50 years' experience in the tobacco business, from growing and curing tobacco to cigar production, the JRE Tobacco Farm has been able to continue to deliver products to market with authentic Corojo. Now with JRE Tobacco, who and Justo brought their very own brand to market, each containing the authentic Corojo leaf. Aladino is available in a wide variety of blends, including the latest release, the Aladino Candela. And each represents the golden age of cigars from 1947 to 1961. They're available at your local retailer. Be sure to ask for JRE Tobacco, a legacy that is tasted in every drawer. And I want to mention Corona Cigar Company. At Corona Cigar Company, they take fact that they are cigar fanatics just like you. That's where you'll find the best selection of the rarest and finest premium cigars available anywhere in the world. Plus, they have special limited edition cigars available exclusively to Corona Cigar Company from famous international cigar makers such as Padron, Drew Estate, Dumbarton Tobacco and Trust, and Aganorsa Leaf. They have the best selection, the best customer service, and money-saving discount cigar prices. But don't just take their word for it. Forbes Magazine selected Corona Cigar Company as a best of the web. Corona Cigar was voted a top five internet cigar retailer by Smoke Magazine. Cigar Aficionado wrote, Corona Cigar Company, the largest best stock cigar shops in America. You can place an order online or visit one of Corona's four, five now Central Florida cigar superstores and cigar bars, including the latest one in Sarasota. And you can see for yourself why Corona Cigar Company is 
the ultimate cigar experience. And I want to mention one more time, our friends at Cavalier Geneve, you want to smoke gold and stay gold, join in a circle. It's Cavalier Cigars on Instagram at Cavalier underscore cigars. And on Facebook at Cavalier Geneve Cigars. And again, that's Geneve, G-E-N-E-V-E. Visit your local tobacconist. Join that movement that is Cavalier Cigars. They get high ratings from cigar lovers everywhere, as well as the cigar industry press. And of course, again, follow them on their Instagram page because they do some very unique giveaways throughout the whole year. Cavalier Scores, Smoke Gold, and Stay Gold. And our final segments for, the, for our gentleman tonight are, is it our Alec Bradley Live True segment, and it's sponsored by Alec Bradley. Alec Bradley, Alec Bradley, Alec Bradley, Alec Bradley. Visit alecbradley.com. Find out more about their cigars. Live True. So, guys, uh, I have eight questions for you guys. Uh, they're short, more rapid-fire questions. Uh, they, some of them are related to cigars. Some of them aren't. I just want to kind of get to know you a little better. Sometimes these are things that you talk about maybe in a cigar lounge or on a Zoom call or something like that. All right? So I think uh, we'll start this one off. Uh, you guys could each, uh, Garrett, I'm, I'm curious what Garrett's answer is, but I don't know what Juan's answer is going to be to this one. Uh, I want to know a music band that's on your playlist that you listen to. So we'll start with Juan. Uh, right now, well, I listen to again. This is Caribbean. Caribbean music is That's my favorite. Perfect. Uh, so uh, reggaeton is number one for me. Uh, on that list, we got all the the fan favorites at the moment: Bad Bunny, uh, Noel. You know, some heavy hitters there. Uh, also, bachata, uh, bachata in merengue and salsa. The, that's those four genres are pretty much my my go tos uh, when I'm in that mood. Um, well, bachata, merengue, salsa—that's like Dominican Republic all around, right? So, yep, yep, yeah. And you know, yeah, we growing up in New York, there is a, a strong Dominican population in the city. So, you know, these types of music, those things I heard growing up in New York too at times. Um, so it's not totally, uh, you know, if you're in New York, you're, you're familiar with a lot of that stuff, is what I'll say. I'm sure, I'm sure you were annoyed with all the Hondas that were going up and down the street wearing <laughs> that, that reggaeton, and all you hear is like, bah, bah. yeah, yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Exactly, exactly. So, Garrett, I know you're a ton about music. You could just give us one thing. Yeah, I know you got probably a ton, what, probably impossible pick, but maybe you want to just mention something. Uh, whatever you want to mention is fine. Well, what I'm listening to right now is uh, Black Thought's new album that just came out. I, I can't get enough of it. Uh, Black Thought is the uh, hip-hop artist from The Roots. Uh, Tariq Trotter is his uh, name. Uh, also is the late-night with jimmy fallon um yep uh band, band leader kind of yeah yep, yep band leader um so thunderdome um is just it's phenomenal yep uh i have i i actually um am familiar with them uh again because i lived in the philly area for a while they're, they're a philly-based band mm-hmm. actually so yep yep very, very familiar with that yeah uh, and then Dave, my music partner, as you know, on the jukebox show, is big into the roots. So, yep. So, yep, yep. He, uh, so, yep. Good, good one. All right. We'll go to this next one. We'll start with Garrett this time. A pet that you would like to own besides a dog or cat? This is funny. Um, I've actually been getting into tarantulas lately. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, it's a, it's, a, it's a growing thing, I've been told, that people are starting to have tarantulas as pets. I've actually been told this. And I had no idea that, uh, so females can live up to 25 years. Wow. Yeah. I had absolutely no clue before a few months ago. 
um, and this is probably absolutely making Matt Ty crawl <laughs> right now. Um, he he does not like uh, the arachnid flavor of things, but they're they're beautiful and they're amazing. And uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, so tarantulas will be my next pet. Nice. How about you, Juan? Anything besides a dog or cat? I mean, domesticated or <laughs> whatever you whatever. want. We've had people say tigers. We've had people say alligators. I was, I was, I was just thinking, like, what would I love to see roaming yeah. around the farm? Just to yeah. people <laughs> like see, a, <laughs> like you're taking a tour, you see a random giraffe just seeding off the, <laughs> the palm trees yeah. or something. Uh, yeah, I don't know, something cool and exotic out there. Um, we're having a bit of a dog problem from the neighbors, so you know, maybe get a couple pet tigers <laughs> there you go there you go. The there you go there you go there you go we got some stray dogs and i you know i keep running into like with the the would-be owners that gave them up and i'm like you can't just abandon pets bro <laughs> like, yeah giving up their dogs and they, they're going on our our fields and running amok so say pet tigers i never <laughs> saw more stray dogs than i did in havana cuba it was insane oh, the yeah. strays out on the streets there yeah they treat pets a little differently in the Caribbean, unfortunately. But yeah, yeah. All right, Juan, we're going to go to you on this one first. A participation sport that you like to play, so not something that you watch, but something you actually like to do in a sport. Um, basketball, football, baseball. Um, yeah. Any three, any of the three. Nice. Okay, good one. Mm-hmm. How about you, Garrett? I mean, I played a lot of sports in in high school, but the one sport that I continue to play, um, we can debate sport or not, but uh, I will say chess. I knew you were going to say chess. (laughs) (laughs) I knew that was going to come up with this. As long as it's full contact chess. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, We have the KMA chess report now. (laughs) Yes. I I knew that was going to come up. All All right, Garrett, to you. A state in the U.S. that you have not visited, but you want to visit. Um, I'm going to go Hawaii. Oh, you uh, got to go Hawaii. Sounds, I, I've been yeah. there once, yeah. I've been there once. I know it sounds cliche. Um, no, it's, you got to go there. But you got to go. I agree. Yeah, you definitely got to go. There's yeah. a lot of islands there, too. Yeah, yeah I've only been the the big island. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. All right, Juan, how about you? Oh, man. Uh... I like the territories. I definitely want to check out like Guam. Uh, That's a good one. That's counts. Yeah, we'll count. Wow. I, w- I would like to go to Alaska too. I think it'll be cool. Might mm-hmm. please my balls off, but it sounds like a good time. <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah, I think stateside. I'm good. I've seen, yeah. I've seen about everything you got going yeah. on there. Yeah, that's good. All right, we're gonna go back to you, to, uh, Juan. This time, skydiving or hang gliding? Which would you rather do? Uh, skydiving. Okay. How about you, Garrett? I have vertigo, so uh, <laughs> mine's knees are. By the way, with this, they're, just... <laughs> they're both gonna suck. But I think I could actually do some hang. There's some hang gliding that isn't as high that because I'm not afraid of heights. But when I get up high, my vertigo kicks in and I lose orientation. Mm. So it just sucks. Okay. Aaron, I got to ask you a question here on this. So the hang gliding. So when I was like touring California after I graduated college in 1989, we went to a place and it was like a huge amount of hang gliding going on there. It was like South of Yosemite area. Is hang gliding still, is hang gliding like still big out there? 
Um, not all over the place, but I think in those particular spots where you have like good uh, mountain areas yeah. that you have an, a big opening for. Yeah. Because uh, you you need a you can't just go hang gliding in a bunch of mountains and you right. can just land, land into something. So if you got like one big point that you could jump off of and have like a kind of a flatter area where you can make the landing, then yeah, yeah. it would work out. So, yeah. yeah. Yeah, we stopped at a Vista place, and I'll just never forget. We just started watching these people. They were just going off the – they were like these cliffs, and they'd land on these flat areas. Exactly, yeah. Yep, yeah. Yep. You yep. guys remember the YouTube channel King of Random? I don't. know. Uh, he was a guy that made, like, uh, all kinds of really cool gadgets or, you know, things uh, from household materials and um, huge following. Uh, he died maybe five years ago from hang gliding. Oh, oh wow, California. But fun little quick fact. Yeah, I figured out between the two, like if something's gonna go wrong, you probably want it to go wrong when you're skydiving because you're not gonna make mm-hmm. it out of that. If you if it goes wrong hang gliding, you yeah. may live through it and it won't be like a happy time afterwards. So Sorry to go dark, but yeah. <laughs> no, it's kind of, that was kind of my, my thought process. Yeah. So, you know, yeah, I'm thinking like like with like I've, I've never I haven't done either, but. It, from the looks of it, it looks like hang gliding takes some skill. Yeah, you know. Oh, definitely. When I saw these guys doing, I don't know. If, wow, I said it was some severe. You gotta get yeah. your feet up in the in the pouch or whatever. You know, yeah, all yeah. that kind of stuff. It's like, <laughs> yeah. It takes I can a just see skill. myself like eating shit completely, just <laughs> yeah. not being a good time. With skydiving, I'm sure it's the same thing. You require skill, especially if you're jumping off a perfectly good plane. Yeah. You have to have that mental shift. Like, okay, we got this. Yeah. But well, it seems service? like would be. Well, I was I was in the Air Force too. I know. Even in the- but I, I never, I never had to do that. I wasn't oh, wow. like okay. power rescue or anything. <laughs> Seal Team Six. I was yeah. a MP, military police. So yeah. that wasn't yeah. fortunate enough to do that. But um, if, if I had to choose one, it'd probably be the skydiving. It sounds like it's nice. easier bet. Nice. All right, Garrett, we're gonna go to you. This is a choose one or the other. If you had to give one of these up, if you have to give one of these up, right? Would you give up air conditioning in the hot weather or heat in the cold weather? It'd be different answers from these two guys, I think. That's what I was hoping for. <laughs> That's what I've got it going with. Yeah, I I would uh, I would give up heat. Uh, okay. Okay. How about you, Juan? I guess it depends where you are. If I'm if I'm near, this happened to me. Uh, I went to Newport Beach with my wife. Uh, for a couple of days and we had this Airbnb right in front of the beach beautiful and the AC just just crapped out but we're like whatever we're at the beach it's windy you know it's crack a window whatever you could spend time on the water uh, but if you're like in the middle of nowhere I actually go with Garrett on this because you could always put on you could always bundle up more yeah you could only take off so much <laughs> right you know at some yeah. point you're just like sitting there melting yeah, yeah. the uh the year before we had the media compound, um, I stayed at an Airbnb. Uh, it was a condo. Um, it was with someone else in the industry, and the air conditioner died one night, and we we could not get they couldn't get the repair guy out there. I ended up having to go get rent a hotel room that night. It was bad. This is Vegas. Yeah, it was hot. I mean, I just couldn't take it. So, so I, I will tell you that air conditioning is tough to give up. I can bundle up with with blankets with the heat. Yes. I think. Absolutely. Although, yeah. Although, you know, again, if I was in Minnesota, I might say otherwise. <laughs> All right. Well, I, I got my, you know, I was in Boy Scouts and I got my Sub-Zero Hero uh, merit badge where we were in uh, below 
zero for over 24 hours and I can sleep uh, with, you know, sleeping bag and be perfectly fine. But like Juan said, you can't get naked enough. If it is just hot, hot, you can't sleep in that. Nope. You can't, you cannot do that. I, I exactly. All right. We got two more. This is these last two are cigar related. So Juan, we'll start with you. When you cut your cigar, punch V cut or straight cut. V cut. Okay. Get a V cut. One V cut. I am team V. I knew you guys. You wow. knew you were gonna go team V. I'm straight guy. Right. I'm still straight. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you know, it's Pride Month. Cool. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> all right. There you go. There you go. And now we'll uh, know. <laughs> all right. And the last question for the night. The PCA trade show. Do you want it in the spring or the summer? Garrett, we'll start with you. Um, we'll see. I think we have yet to really uh, see what what that looks like. Um, I, I like I like the move. I do. Um, the thing that I'm not going to like is this next year. How quickly we're going to have to turn around and strategize and figure out what. Yeah. Um, you know, that's a short runway to plan ahead. So for this one year, it's going to suck, but, um, I'm going to have to say, I got to wait and see. Okay. That's fine. How about you, Juan? Yeah. Logistically for me, it's, it's going to be a nightmare. Uh, but, and, and don't get me wrong. The, the spring weather is amazing, but I also was looking forward to going to TPE. So there's a conflict there and I'm just like. Well, you know, I'm trying. I'm trying to justify it in my head because I really want to go to TPE really bad. But I'm like, okay, I'm going to TPE, and then three weeks later or whatever, I'm going to be at PCA. Like, it just doesn't make sense to me. Um, so, unfortunately, we're going to have to choose one, which is PCA. Um, it's a no-brainer, right? Mm-hmm. But uh, uh, moving forward, we'll see what happens, man. Like Garrett said, but I, I hope that they find some common ground where we can have them spread out enough where we could, you know, have exposure on both versus just one, you know, so. Very good. Very good. All right. So, uh, guys, I want to thank you guys very much for being on the show tonight. Juan, with pleasure finally getting to meet you. I look forward to seeing both of you at the trade show this year. Thanks for sharing the story and a lot of exciting stuff for you guys. Thanks, man. Yeah, thanks for having us, man. It was a blast. No, appreciate it. And uh, thanks again. Uh, we know this is your personal time and we appreciate it. Yep. I really appreciate the opportunity, Coop and Aaron. Love you guys. No, pro- no problem. And uh, say hi to Matt. Keep him out of trouble. Oof, that's yeah. tough. <laughs> yeah, no, that's good. All right, guys. You take care and be safe. Awesome. Do as well. Thanks, Have a good night, guys. Thanks, everybody. Take care. That is Juan Lugo of um, Don Dorteo and Garrett Robinson of um, Don Dorteo as well. And how about that cigar? Take care, guys. All right. Um, so, oh, we got to do Espinosa's today. It's yep. sports history. Okay. I probably should have did that with, with those guys on, but that's okay. I'm not sure. If, all right. So, Juan, uh, not Juan. Uh, Aaron, here's the question tonight. I mm-hmm. think you're going to get this one. Mm-hmm. So this uh, this is our Espinosa Today in Sports History, sponsored by Espinosa Cigars, makers of award-winning brands under the Espinosa 601 and Knuckle Sandwich brands. Uh, smoke Espinosa, smoke Espinosa every day. And um, it's ironic, this is, I guess, 601 day, right? So we have yep. a 601, but, but it's not a 601. It is a 601 question. So yep. it's related to June 1st. So here it is. I think you're going to get this one, Aaron. June 1st, 1925. 
this first baseman will be inserted into a ball game as a pinch hitter. And this would be the beginning of a major league baseball record that would stand for 56 years. Who's the first baseman and what's the record? So the first baseman is Lou Gehrig. Mm-hmm. And the uh, record is the consecutive games played streak. That is correct. So the 56 years is from 1939, by the way. That's why. Right. So if you're doing the math, yes. So that is correct. Uh, Lou Gehrig's streak began on this day, June 1st. Very nice. So, so you go. There it is. That's our Espinosa today in sports. I was. I knew this would be a pretty easy one, but we. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I was. I was tempted not to tell you first baseman. Would you have still got it? Um, I, yeah, I'm pretty sure. I think you would have, too. uh, because yeah, because that's the uh, that's the only record I think that lasted that long, right? So, the yep. only other record that still has that kind of a timeline to yep. it is the 56 game hit streak, yep. right? So, yep. yeah, yeah, all right, all right, so that's that. So, we got uh, one more commercial break and then we will get into our final segment, which is on box worthy cigars today. So, uh, not so much we're gonna, Aaron. So this, we'll do a segment, but it's not naming box worthy cigars. Sure. We think Understood. goes into it here. So, yep. Yep. so uh, all right. So let me kind of go into our final segment. Uh, uh, first, we want to mention J.C. Newman Cigar Company, founded in 1895 by Julius Caesar Newman. J.C. Newman Cigar Company is the oldest family premium cigar maker in America for four generations and 127 years. J.C. Newman has been handcrafting many of the world's finest cigars. J.C. Newman is headquartered in an iconic 113-year-old cigar factory in the Ybor City National Historic Landmark District of Tampa, Florida. At the factory known as Elwer Hole, J.C. Newman rolls premium cigars by hand and hand-operated antique cigar machines, including the all-American cigar, the American. The J.C. Newman Pencil Factory is the second largest in Nicaragua. It's where Brickhouse, Perla de Mar, El Baton, Quorum, and Yagua cigars are hand-rolled. J.C. Newman's Diamond Crown, Maximus, Julius Caesar, and Black Diamond Cigars are handmade by tobacco A. Fuente in the Dominican Republic. With longtime partners, the Arturo Fuente family, the Newmans founded the Cigar Family Charitable Foundation, which supports low-income families in the Dominican Republic with education, healthcare, vocational training, and clean water. Visit jcnewman.com to learn more. And by Casa Cuevas Cigars. The Cuevas family has five generations of experience in cigar making. For many years, they have manufactured cigars for many industry leaders out of the Las Lavas factory in the Dominican Republic. Now, the Cuevas family has brought their very own brand to market with Casa Cuevas Cigars. You can try the latest release, the Sangre Nueva, as well as the cigars under the Casa Cuevas and Cuevas Reserve lines. And if they don't carry it, be sure to ask your local retail for Casa Cuevas Cigars. Casa Cuevas Cigars, from our casa to yours. We're going to get into our industry deliberation segment sponsored by Dumbarton Tobacco and Trust. There's no deliberation when it comes to Dumbarton's track record since launching in 2015. This has included eight consecutive top three appearances on the Half-Life Consensus, including number one cigar of the year in 2020 with the Mikorita Tricky Traka and 2022 with the Mikorita Black Saka Khan. Visit DTT Scars and find a purveyor that carries the brands of Dumbarton Tobacco and Trust. I had to hit that cough button. No worries. Okay. Okay. So I mentioned before the, before the break, um, box worthiness, right? It's a question that I seem to get asked a lot lately. Um, is it, you know, would you buy a box of this cigar? Is a cigar box worthy of buying it? Um, right. It's something that I've been doing on Coop for a few years now is I have a yeah. value rating with it. And I don't, I, and I've gotten a lot more s- stringent with that rating because originally came out from Stogie Geeks, but it was more of a one to five rating back then. 
and I don't think it really mapped to buying patterns. So mm -hmm. I tried when I when I kind of separated, I kind of tried to make it more to buying patterns. And as a result, there's a lot less box worthy cigars that I have today. Right. Um, and then with, with things, there's factors that go into that. So um, that's kind of what I want to hit tonight. So let me ask a, a very simple question to you. Is box worthiness to you a simple factor of score, price, and box count from a reviewer standpoint? Or is there something more, maybe like availability that factors into that? Um, I would see, I'm going to, I'm going to be a weird case here, um, mm -hmm. because of the frequency that I go back to a particular cigar on, right. so I'm going to say that there's more to it than just those things right? that go into it. Um, do you want me to expand or do you want to, yeah, yeah, go, go ahead. No, okay. actually go ahead. I'm really curious about <clears throat> so, your, your scenario with this. Yeah. I've never bought a box of non-Cuban cigars. So I've never bought that, that big of a quantity. Okay. Just because I don't smoke a particular cigar freak that frequently, so if I ever smoke a cigar more than six six or seven times, that's probably a rarity, right? Um, but taking that into account and kind of going along with the exercise for me, um, it would the, and there would be another factor in regards to how I think that cigar would age because I wouldn't get to it, I wouldn't get through the entire box in a in a quick amount of time. It would be something that would happen over a few years, probably. Yeah. So one of the things would be how I think that it would kind of make its make its way through age. So probably like, you know, some of my favorite cigars that are Connecticut Shade may not fit in that because they may not stand up to that kind of a an aging time frame. So it might be something that's maybe a yeah a, a bolder or heavier type uh, profile. So um, you know something that's very Nicaraguan forward or maybe a, you know, a heavier Dominican cigar, something like that. So. Um, and I think for me, it would probably be something that would be, you know, it, it has to be something that's special. Um, so, uh, yeah, it would, it, you know, it would have to kind of fit those those factors. I don't think price would really play into it because if you're going to go deep on something, you know, I think you're just kind of the price doesn't matter because you're like you, you really enjoy the cigar and you just want to be able to experience that whenever you want to go back to it so that you would kind of. You know, obviously it wouldn't be like a, a box of Oro Blancos or something like that. That's a bit out of the price range. But right. um, yeah, box count wouldn't really mat, uh, you know, play into that uh, price wouldn't score. Obviously would factor in because I, I, it's something that I would really like want to like to go back to. So um, it would be kind of score uh, and kind of uh, how I think that, that blend would hold up over time. Yeah, I mean, I look the score factors somewhat into mind if it's not getting a 90 I'm probably not going to recommend the box. Right, right. There are some under 90. If it's like a, if it's like a $2 bundle, I may say pick up the bundle. Yeah. But do you, but do you get asked sometimes like, Hey, we, like does anyone maybe come up to you and say, Hey, based on the score, would you buy a box of that? And then, and do you, have you got yeah, that? And I, I just kind of have to take my own personal right. kind of smoking style out of it because mm -hmm. that would just be what it is. But yeah, I would, yeah, I, yeah there's definitely cigars that I, you know, if somebody asked me, I would definitely recommend yeah. say, yeah, this is definitely box worthy, especially because I know a lot of, people don't smoke that that same way I do. They smoke yeah. it where like if they get on something that they like, they'll smoke it pretty constantly for a while till they get through that box. And then they might go to, you know, another box of it kind of keep yeah. going that way. So there's definitely cigars that I would like anything that I would say, like my top three cigars of the year, I would say probably are going to be what I would consider, you know, box worthy kind of cigars. I'll tell you that the box count plays big into my, into okay. my thing. So if if these are in a fifty count box, I'm not recommending probably you're gonna ever a box 
far as he purchased on it. Unless it's an illusion or a Rothschild, you can buy a box of those. Okay, yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, you know, so I, I would say there are times where if you if you go with a 10 count box, I may be and I actually have two different types of box worthiness with Coop. Mm-hmm. I have one where I say it's it's under consideration. You may want to buy a box of that. And I'll right. kind of get there's some incentives, maybe to, if there's something to do that. And then the other one's Hey, go purchase the box, and that's a much rarer rating I give out now. Yeah, uh, it's really got to be something special and 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 somewhat affordable, right? Like, I'm not gonna say, like I just reviewed this Red Anchor, and I love the cigar, but it's six hundred dollars a box. That's just out right. of range. I don't feel comfortable unless you have disposable income. I just didn't feel comfortable with that. Yeah, that makes sense. So it, it's interesting because you said you have your own personal thing on it. I'm not really sure where mine is. Like I buy about like six to eight boxes a year, probably. So yeah, I buy a lot, right? And I get we get we get boxes too, of course, right. you know, samples, right? But so I, I'm gonna I'm gonna I want to mention the coop the other coop team members because I haven't talked to them about this, but I'm gonna kind of I'm gonna give you my assessment how these guys buy boxes because they all buy right. much more boxes than me. Sure. So Ben and Bear are kind of like in the same boat. They buy boxes for two reasons. They like the cigar is case one. Yeah. And case two is they love the brand. Yeah. And they'll buy the box. That's right. what I see those guys buy. Right. I'm not quite in that boat. I mean, it's, yeah. I'm very. Nielsen is like nuts. Yeah. He buys like he buys like what we would buy a single. He buys a box. He's crazy. Yeah. yeah. He's crazy. I want to try that. Let me buy a box. He, yeah. He just buys the box. And it's like, yeah. uh, oh, I don't like this. Like, what did you buy a whole box for? Yeah. So he buys by the box, this guy. He is, uh, yeah. So he's a yeah. completely different case on that. Right. Yeah. For yeah. sure. Yeah. So I mentioned this and I'm just kind of curious. And again, I'll, I'll kind of say, take yourself out of the equation with this a little bit, right? Because I right. don't think this would affect you. I'll say it doesn't affect me, but we do see at events that um, sometimes to get people to buy a box, it, they're enticed with swag or additional cigars. Mm-hmm. And I'll talk about the additional cigars, I'll expand on it in a little bit, but I'm just kind of, before we go, is that something that you think is, because is that something, I don't think it's something you would do, Aaron. I just know you well enough. And right, right. Um, and it's something I wouldn't do, but is that something you think that is an effective tool to get people maybe who are on the fence to buy a box to do it? Um, I definitely think it is. And I think it would definitely be for people that are very brand centric. Um, so if there's swag from a brand that you like and the the item is of interest to you, um, I could see, definitely see how that would be an incentive for them to buy the box. So, um, if it comes with, uh, an ashtray, you know, a branded ashtray that's of good quality or, you know, something that's good quality, not, not just like a, you know, a cheapy hat, uh, or, a you know, a $1 cutter or something like that. Like those things, I don't think necessarily drive, a, you know, they're cool throw-ins, but I don't know that those are the ones that drive people to say, Oh, I have to buy this box because I get that. It's gotta be something that's of good quality that is of interest to people, um, that they would do that. And I can definitely see how that's, you know, that incentivizes buyers. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, uh, you know Scott Weeks, right? Yep. So Scott Weeks used to be a broker before he had uh, Iconic Leaf, and he was in the Charlotte area. And he, this guy, would always do events, right? And at his events, he like people got trained to buy their cigars from him, right? Right. Because he would run some specials, and then he would carefully look at how the specials were going. Yeah. And if it was going slow, he would ante this pot up, right? <laughs> right. 
Right. And I'm not, so he would basically go, maybe you buy a box, you get five cigars free and a piece of swag. Right. Yeah. But if it was going slow towards the end of the night, he'd go, if you buy seven boxes, I'll discount it at this price. I'll throw in 20 cigars and I'll throw in all this swag. Yeah. And what people would start to do is they pull together their money and they would do that <laughs> seven box purchase. And, and they would every time. And, 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 it was funny because people would say, I'm Scott's not going to get me this time. Right. Right. <laughs> and he got the same people every uh, look. I was part of it, too. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. He got the same people every time. We said right. This, right? <laughs> so, so I was talking to someone in the industry before the show tonight and he and I'm, I'm just not going to mention his next. I don't know if he wants it mentioned, but I'll just right. mention what he said to me. Um, He was talking about a very interesting scenario of getting people to buy boxes. And instead of the company, um, buying boxes they uh excuse me, because the company giving away cigars they would actually go and buy cigars from the store like house brand cigars uh-huh. and then they credit back you know that that you know they would or they get the cigars from the, from the retail i should say and then credit it back right right so you know it was kind of like they were but they would do it with the house cigars which i thought was a very interesting thing because it was not always perpetuating a box purchase but it incentivize the retailer to kind of promote their own brand there. So I, I sure. thought that was a very interesting scenario. Yeah, that would be interesting. Yeah. Um, yeah, it helps the retailer out a lot. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, and, that, and it gives a chance, that, you know, maybe they, yeah. the consumer wasn't, you know, going to try that cigar previously. Now they try it and maybe they're a return yeah. customer on that that yeah. product. So yep. it works out. Yep, yep. Um, another thing I wanted to mention is um, when it comes to like buying boxes, we just saw this with um, Saka, with the Wagashi that the dojo did for Abe. Yep. And they actually got people to pre-order boxes. Yeah. Um, I thought that was really interesting. I mean, I think you, like, I, I, my question is why does it happen? But I think we know the answer to why that happens. I don't think everyone can do that is what I'm saying. Yeah, I would agree with that. So when I'm talking about pre-order, I'm talking about the cigar has not been released yeah. at all. Yeah. So you're getting people to do it on blind faith. Right. I have not ever fallen into that trap. If I've bought it, the only time I bought it was like, for example, if Dave Burke asked me to pre-buy something for him. Right. Right. That's where well, he can't get it. And he wanted to make sure he had. It. So I did that with some of the, but I, I have never, I, that to me, I'm like, I guess being a reviewer, there's no way I'm ever going to do that. There's just no way. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I think our our kind of theory is that you want to try it and see what you think. But yeah. then, you know, in some of these cases, you know, they may be where they're, you know, they sell out, and if you miss it, you just aren't going to get a shot at it unless you try the secondary and yeah. see if you can get it that way. So, but I mean, in the case of the Wagashi, um, you know, it's kind of a playoff of an existing line. People have a, a maybe a sense of what it's going to be like, or they're you know diehard DTT fans and anything steve came out with they would want to buy it so right right um, the, yeah the take my I, money yeah 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 exactly and i, I mean i there's, there's been some releases like this where they're trying to do the pre-orders so that the production is only for kind of what they sell which i think is completely smart um, uh, abe, that's what abe did with Gugashi, yeah by the way so yeah it gets you know it takes out a ton of the and i think they were doing that with red meat lovers at one point too right so um yeah i mean you're only creating the amount that you sell and it's sold ahead of time so you're cutting down on your you know how much money you have to float on some of these things and it's a smart move when you can do it um and uh it kind of 
it adds to that kind of almost like that one and done type of thing. Like this is going to be special. I'm only going to have this one shot, but you know, obviously they can, if they want to do another run, they can do another run yeah. and figure that out later. But um, yeah, I think that's kind of cool. Um, if you're a brand that can get away with that. Um, but you know, I think um, that's not, that's not the norm. No. Um, because uh, you have to have a, you know, like a really big company, I don't think you can get away with that because there's just too much stuff in their portfolio that you've had a chance to say, you know, yay or nay on whether you liked it or not. And you're, you know, whether you're willing to bet that it's going to be a winner, uh, you know, blind, that's tough. So, yeah. Um, yeah. You have to, you have to have like a really tight, I think, consumer base that's like really believes in everything that you do that you can get away with that. The other thing than this, where pre, and I've seen, so there's others pre orders where, a retailer would say, I'm getting this cigar in. Yeah. Pre-order it now before I sell out. Right. So they, right. they, they do that model too. Not necessarily yeah. the made to order like Steve's doing. Right. And like I I'll give you an example of one I saw this for was uh, the new Las Calaveras. Yeah. That's coming out. To me, there's like I'll just say this, no incentive I'll ever do that uh, because there's different sizes. So I don't want to like play Russian roulette that I buy one size. I'd rather go with a singles route, buy the size or buy the sampler. Yeah. The five pack sample. But but there's no way I'm gonna make the box investment in that um because of size. But there are people that will still do that, I see. Because they, they have an affinity for a size. Maybe. Yeah. I mean, if they are kind of into that line and they kind of the yearly release and all that stuff, that yeah, you know, they they're gonna they're gonna buy it anyway, then yeah, right. they, they might as well do the pre-order. But for something like that, where that's not the only method to purchase it, um, you're going to, you know, it's other retailers are going to have it and then you can buy it once it's out. You can buy one to try right. it and see, or, you know, you buy the sampler, see which one you like, and then you can go buy a box of the size you like or whatever it is. So, yeah, I, I like that Crown Heads does that sampler every year. Yeah. Um, And I, I've gotten a sample almost every year, except for last year. I didn't get it because I was just late to the game with that. But uh, and then, you know, based on that, um. I, uh, you know, and usually I'll, I'll pick one size to review of it. Usually I'll pick the one I like, right. So just try to give some, but sometimes I don't always do it. If, if the size is a little more intriguing that they're doing, Mm -hmm. you know, like, Hey, if they're doing a torpedo and they're not known for doing torpedoes, I may go do that, even though it's not necessarily the best, because you know, it's something a little different. So I, so like I said, I think we're bad examples on a lot of that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but even so, I'm like, I actually, people ask me about pre-buying and I'm, I give them that answer from me. I said, you know, unless it's a, you know, if it's a one size thing and you, and you, you have an affinity for the brand, yeah. you know, why not? But, but a lot of times too, I find a good percentages won't, won't just sell out on the pre-order. There's, there's, yeah. a, unless it, there's a couple I've seen, but not, not a lot of these I've seen on that. Yeah. And I think a lot of these, um, kind of limiteds or that are annual releases and things like that, they start pumping up the production numbers every year. So um, they, you know, they don't tend to end up selling out immediately. So they'll be around for a little bit. Right. Right. Um, yeah, no, exactly. Um, but let's say in these cases, I mean, I would say in these types of cases with the pre-orders, the brand's got to have a level of str- the brand's got to really be strong to do that. Like Tatawaii, Fuente, even crown heads could do it, but yep. not, I mean, there's a lot of companies that they, it's, you know, a pre-order. You just, I don't see it. Right. Yeah. It's gotta be something that's got a lot of intrigue into it. Yeah. I think for people to really dive deep into that. 
Yeah, I mean, uh, I, the the one I do remember that, like, and I tend to see this happen with smaller batch releases. Um, the one that I think is interest was always interesting to me was remember when Amazon Basin came out and it was like yeah. it they flew. Like, yeah. and, and here's the thing: that was a limited release, but they made more cigars in that limited release than probably anyone in like they were making in the thousands. I think boxes. Of yeah, those, like yeah. not like three hundred boxes. So there was. So the second time they sold through those the first time, and then the second time, remember that everyone was taking the pre-orders for that. Right. Um, does that sometimes like that? I could see. Okay, I've tried it, or I missed out on it. I don't want to yeah. miss out on it this time. I I can maybe see that. Um, but that won't go into how I review the cigar because when I'm reviewing it, the cigar's already been out at that point. Yeah, and uh, you know, once that initial run happens, people get their feel for it, and then the second run happens, or there's a you know, it's a variation off of that. Yeah, you know, you you'll get that run, but then after you see how that second version is, then you know, if not, if everybody's not like as enamored with it as the first one, right? Then the third one is the one where you're going to have, you're not going to, it's not going to sell out right, right. away. Right? right. And then, so with Amazon Basin, they had multiple iterations and it went through and it's kind of, I felt it went further away from the original and it wasn't as right. uh, something that you needed to seek out as immediately because it just, it just didn't have that same bang that the first one did. Yeah. And now I think it's gotten to a point where there's been enough of these. I don't think it has the same effect as it did nine years ago. Yeah. Uh, when it first came out, I don't, I totally agree with that. Um, as far as that goes. Um, so, you know, those, you know, so, you know, back to, I guess, the review point of this for a second. Um, you said you don't buy boxes, right? Right. But you have a team of four. Have you ever thought about buying a box and then just splitting it for the team for the reviews? Or do you Not guys don't really put out to do Not you really? Review, I yeah. mean, um, uh, I think, uh, I think all the other guys would be willing to smoke more than one of something, you know, just to, just to maybe get a, a different sense of it or, uh-huh. you know, to smoke through a few. I just don't, I just don't have that same motivation, uh, for me. Like, yeah, you know, I think we talked about this before. It's like, it's this weird sickness where it's like, I just want to try something else new to see if there's something else good. Then I, you know, I've already tried that. I think it's, you know, it's fine. If it doesn't really completely blow me away, I'm ready to, you know, even though I'm, I'm probably going to be disappointed, I'm ready to try something else. So, um, yeah, it's just, I don't, yeah, I think Seth and John would definitely go down that road of, you know, smoking through a bunch of them, but right. they have, they have more time to smoke, uh, for pleasure, I think, than I do. Right. So, right, right. No, I, I can totally understand that too. Um, you know, so, this is the this is a question I have for you, and then I'll tell you how I answer this question. And again, go, this is on the reviewer hat now. Mm-hmm. So there is a cigar that is in some really cool packaging, mm-hmm. maybe a jar, right? An oil can like CAO. Should that factor in to the recommending if it's box pressed? I'm not just did I say box box worthy. Box buy, yeah. Box buy um... factor into it at all. I mean, sure, it could be um, if the, you know, if the cigar is good enough and that gives it an extra push. Yes. But the cigar is not good. I'm not going to say unless unless you really needed a beer stein that you were going to do something with. 
I would say if the cigar wasn't good, don't buy it kind of a thing. But um, cigar should also be good. It, you know, the packaging yeah. is only going to do so much. And especially for me, like, I, I like cool things and I like to collect them. But then when I collect them, they just end up going in a box somewhere and I don't actually display them or do anything with them. And I just, at, you know, after my wife has told me 50 times that I should get rid of it because I'm not doing anything with it, I finally have to cave in and I just have to get rid of it. So it was all for naught anyway. So it's just, uh, as you know, as much as I like that cool stuff, it's just in reality, it's, it really doesn't provide me any value. No, I, I uh, look, I'm in agreement with you on that. Um, I'm, we're constantly giving away cigar boxes to the crafters. Yep. Like we have, like my wife's just, she put something out on um, Craigslist. Craigslist or whatever. Just yeah. come yep. pick them up. We don't even charge <laughs> them. Just yep. come, just come pick them up. First person there gets it. Basically we yep. put them out on the door. Um, but there, so I don't, I don't factor that in at all. When I say something is box worthy consideration or box worthy. Yeah. The only case I might make with that is if it's something like Atabay is doing where there's a freaking like humidor of real value that sure. actually you can reuse. That yeah. is the one exception I think I've ever made with that. Right. Uh, where I'd say, you look, if you could get this humidor, get it because um, you're getting and that's something where I can I can maybe justify a six or seven hundred dollar cigar purchase if if because those humidors are really good that's i think that's the only scenario but i've never said hey go buy this so you could get this oil can i just to me <laughs> right. it's I'm, I'm again i'm saying this i'm, I'm kind of looking at purchasing power more than yeah. oh here here's what i'm getting so I'll, I'll never do that with that um uh, maybe it, the only thing is you know yeah i i won't even with the box words of consideration i won't i i strictly use on a buying pattern with that yeah what I'll do. yeah so yeah all right and that's what i had for tonight on box worthiness Nice. All right. Uh, so um, we are at the end of this show. A um, couple of programming notes. Uh, I'm pretty. I, I got. I'm, I'm happy about this on Monday. So I, I just want to kind of mention this. Uh, we're doing jukebox episode 100 on Monday. Nice. Um, and yep, we're doing the Beatles uh, revolver albums. We decided to do like something big, like uh, yep. album wise. We picked the Beatles, but. I don't know. I'm really proud. I think this is the third podcast we got to 100 on. Yeah. That's and I don't fantastic. know. I don't know. The only guys I think who might have done it, maybe the Hustler guys have done it with mm-hmm. Ray. I can't confirm that. I'll, I'm sure they they can confirm it, but right. it, I think it's a small club. So I was really happy about that because I never thought we'd get Jukebox to 100. So yeah. I thought we'd be doing that like six times a year and we end up just now doing it every all the time. So, right. so that's nice. happening on Monday. And then I'll announce next Thursday show, 271. It's the first of four big PCA uh, shows, and we always kick it off with the one and only Scott Pierce, uh, executive director of PCA. So um, he'll be on next week. Nice. Um, it's gonna be. I, I think Aaron, this is gonna be very interesting for Scott. I I've been saying this. I think the expectation is gonna be very high this year for PCA yeah, with the show. Uh, I would agree. And I think there's still some challenges they have. So, right. but I think this year they're not gonna get, you know out of COVID hundred days, it's going to be a different thing. So I think we'll yeah. ask Scott a lot of questions on that on uh, certainly there's some changes happening to the show and we can talk to him and challenge him on that, which is pretty yep, good. For sure. Yep. So we'll have that one next week. Um, and that's it guys. Uh, appreciate it. Uh, thanks to uh, Juan and Garrett for joining Aaron. Thank you as audience. And of course, thank our audience as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's going to wrap up primetime episode 270 into the annals of history for this Thursday, June 1st, now Friday, June 2nd on the East Coast. We'll see everybody next time. Take care, everybody.
See you guys.